This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash 365 and get on your way to being your best self. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether with friends, work, your significant other, or anyone else. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 365 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 365. BetterHelp.com. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Daniels, little jump pass. Touchdown, Kansas, Trevor Cardell. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Race over Sixty-five Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. This could be four-down territory again. There's the look in. It's Johnston. First down at the ten. Nice one there, or draw either one. Johnston in motion. Play fake. There wow, it is. It. The tight end one. Wow. Good job, Jim. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Throws it down the field. On target, Kane Warner. 38-yard score. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Welcome in, 365 Sports. It's Friday. Heading into the weekend. It is uh, that time of year, Craig, where college football news is 99.9% the business of the sport. And 
it is weighing me down a little bit because I can't. I get to the point where I'm like, let's talk about the actual games. But there are some pretty big things going on. From there's actual NIL legislation working through the Senate right now that would create uh, an NIL clearinghouse and set up rules. Um, we have the NLRB. Uh, you mentioned that uh, yesterday. Um, talking to the NCAA and and well, I guess USC right now about you know, categorizing athletes as employees and uh, ESPN announcing, uh, not announcing fully, but, you know, kind of pushing full speed ahead on being fully direct to consumer and um, all streaming. So that's, that's going to be wild to see how that shakes out here down the line in, in the coming months um, when that's available and how that changes the cable landscape and for, let's say, conferences negotiating TV deals. Uh, yeah, that's that's all going on right now, and um, it's uh, made for some interesting discussions, I guess, along the way. And um, yeah, I mean, it's the off season, so there's not really games to yeah. talk about. Uh, I don't think we have to like you know burn up May looking at week two of the Iowa State schedule. I think there's a lot of things to figure out, you know, between now and then, and there will be you know a lot of discussion when that time comes uh you know we'll have our conference previews and things like that but um yeah i mean right now it's i mean it's mid-may i mean the semester's starting to wind down spring-wise for a lot of schools so that's to be expected as we enter the summer months uh these are months after all paul that a lot of people in our profession take off uh they take off a lot of days because it's not quite as active as it was so we have to find things to tide us over and uh, fortunately, college football or college athletics has provided quite a few things. I don't know how interesting some of them are uh, compared to others, but, you know, uh, like the National Labor Relations Board, I mean, that was a bit more complex than, you know, what I generally read off yesterday. It more pertained to private schools when looking at it a little further, having time to have done so after the show yesterday. So, uh, again, that's why I kind of said, like, this is a thing, but it's not quite like a – impending thing but it's a thing that could matter in the long run and you know that long run's gonna gonna be a little while but yeah I mean there's a lot going on as usual this is a sport that intentionally or not has become uh year-round and uh you know we're thankful for that in many ways uh but you know it would be nice to be able to talk about the games here pretty soon and hey we got a couple months and we'll be able to do that but there's a lot of other interesting things going on as well yeah a- absolutely um i do i want to get into the to the espn thing we have a lot of um we have manny navarro the athletic he's going to give us kind of the perspective on the scuttlebutt inside the acc yeah he covers miami and the acc for the athletic uh grayson grunhaber sickum 365.com we'll talk about nate bennett who we had on the show yesterday. Andy Bitter, uh, who covers Virginia Tech uh, for TechSideline.com, uh, he uh, is uh, going to jump on and talk the, about the perspective of Virginia Tech. And they they were in that magnificent seven, although when you start looking down the line, yeah, they're a team that's won the ACC and therefore thinks that they can, I know, at least on the bottom end, think that they can get part of that merit-based revenue sharing. But also, uh, it is curious to, to see them in there in a in a group that was you know the doomsday scenario was trying to break up the conference because they would have been the one one of the ones that you thought like I they probably have a place to go but they may not uh, and so we'll talk to him about Virginia Tech and, and Kyron Drones um, and how he's doing there and Grace Rayner of the Athletic uh, posted the uh, kind of SEC QB rundown and who's coming back and that'll lead us into something we we're going to talk about yesterday about which conferences had the deepest quarterback. Um, all the way up and down. Uh, we'll talk about that in the five o'clock hour. But uh, Craig, 
I know your least favorite subject is NIL. It, you no, know, it's just it's a weird thing to talk yeah. about, yeah. And so in the weird thing to talk about space in NIL, Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina uh, took time out from crying on Fox News uh, to uh, – because nobody lets I see him doing most of the time. Uh, but he, he has drafted some legislation called College Sports NIL Clearinghouse Act of 2023, and it is making its way through uh, some of the higher-ups in the NCAA, and this is – it sounds like almost exactly what they want, and who knows if it gets passed, but as the bill states, it shall carry out enforcement for actions for any violations of this act, including levying fines, imposing penalties, including suspension or a permanent ban of an individual or entity from participating in varsity intercollegiate sports competition for a period determined by the clearinghouse and you know a bunch of legal jargon. Uh, and the the purpose behind it would be to monitor compliance and establish and enforce penalties for NIL. There are protections for the students, and it would provide information to the FTC, the Department of Justice, or the Attorney General of any state if people are violating this. And according to the bill, um, let's see, civil suits uh, they could let's do could be brought by the Attorney General uh, against athletes or third parties. Um, and there's there's a lot of other stuff in here, but basically these are it almost sounds like the guardrails that Charlie Baker would have asked for specifically uh, in this. Now, if it gets passed or not, I don't know, but there is the framework for the bill being passed around uh, now among college football and college sports uh, power brokers and people to see you know where this goes and what you know probably some expert commentary on it. Uh, so. But it's out there, and so maybe we'll maybe this is the guardrails that they want. I don't know if this is, will work or if this is enforceable or what ways around it are, if there are any, but we'll see if it gets passed. So Congress is doing something on it. Whether it happens, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know uh, too much about the political side of things and how all that works. I mean, I guess it's better than nothing, which is a lot of what's happened uh, most recently is a whole lot of nothing, just a lot of talk and prayers and, uh, well, hopefully – somebody does something about this and hopefully we get some help and hopefully uh so there's been a lot of that so this is actually you know i guess a move forward in some ways but an entity outside of the ncaa uh is very you know interesting i feel like uh in just a quick glance i already saw multiple pushbacks of why this would not be you know a good thing um, and of course, everybody's got their own vested interests. Like, why would an NIL lawyer collective guy be in, in favor of this? They wouldn't, of course, because it, it hits into to what they're doing. So, you know, that's why I already see some uh, pushing back. And maybe that pushback's not from those types. Uh, it's just from the average person who just doesn't think it's a, it's a great idea. I don't know, because like I said, I don't know how, you know, the, the political side of this would all work or if this is just, you know, you know, flashing something to do it and say that you're doing something, but it doesn't really result in anything. Uh, but I think, you know, we're all in agreement that it would probably be better for the sport overall if there was some things in place, uh, not to limit monetization of, you know, name image likeness, but to make sure it's actually about name image likeness and not just throwing money at players to get them to come play sports for you, because that was not what it was supposed to be. And that's absolutely what it is now. Um, it is far more of that than it is of name image and likeness. Uh, and that's very clear. And I don't think anybody, you know, if they're being honest with themselves, will try to spin it any other way. Sure, there are examples of actual NIL, and those are cool. And there's examples of people making a lot of money. 
game, and that's cool too. Uh, but if you're going by what the rule is supposed to be, then it's not exactly what it's supposed to be. And we can all agree on that. Whether you think that's right or wrong, you think that, hey, the rules shouldn't even apply, like let them make money you know, however, whenever, you know, whoever, um, that's fine. But I think we can all agree, no matter where we stand, that, yeah, this isn't most of the time the real NIL that they were talking about. So those are things that you could kind of improve on, or there's some areas that you can improve on in that regard. Uh, But I don't know if this will will solve that. Um, You know, somebody with a little bit more insight on the government side of things like yourself or the uh, political side of things, I guess that applies to both, actually, they both mean the same thing. But uh, the legal side of things, have to look up some sports attorneys and see what uh, their reaction is to this. But, you know, he's trying to do something, I suppose. That's better than nothing. Yeah, and so Charlie Baker has, you know, uh, met with people in in several states and all that. And, of course, um, there are laws across the country about it, but they're not all the same, which is the... Right, that's the main problem is that nobody... There is not a same lay of the land. And you have, you know near 50 states, uh, you know, and hundreds of programs that are operating on a different set of rules depending on what border you just crossed. So I think that's the, the big problem, you know, more so than anything else is just like, hey, in this state right here, you can do this, but right next to them, you can't do that. And then north of them, you can, but it's in a different way. And to the east of the, you know, it's just like, what state are you in? The rules are different. And, you know, for a sport that's all supposed to be doing the same thing and playing the same sport, um, you know, it's very clear that some governments have decided, like, let's give our boys a, a fighter's chance and give them a better chance than the others, give them a leg up, right? Let's give them, uh, you know, the, the the sports programs in Florida, let's give them a leg up over those in Alabama. And Alabama's like, well, we got to change our NIL laws now. We got to have the advantage. And so, you know, that's where it gets uh, very sloppy and messy and, and where you get into this gray area of like who's got what and can do what versus who can do this and oh we can't do this so we're at a disadvantage where and that's uh that's something that you'd rather not have to to deal with because there's already a lot of things to deal with but uh, that is one of the ongoing issues so to speak and uh, maybe this will help solve some of that yeah and I mean just think of it this way so Michigan and Ohio Ohio you know so you've got Michigan alums and Ohio State alums that are you know, pushing different things. And if they allow something in Ohio that they don't allow in Michigan, then that's something that the Michigan people will now have to push their legislature because they allow it in Ohio. So the Ohio State kid can get more money theoretically by going to Ohio State than he can to Michigan. And that's that's just not – it's not a level playing field, especially if you're using the government to make the rules, which, again, makes this all messed up. Brett McMurphy tweeted this out earlier. Uh, Craig, uh, this is the uh, revenue distribution uh, for 21-22 uh, fiscal year from all of the uh, Power 5 conferences. Uh, the Big Ten distributed almost $60 million per school. The SEC at almost $50 million. The Big 12. Um, 42 to 44.9 million dollars the ACC 38 to 42 million dollars and the Pac-12 at 37 million Uh, so um, you know not as big of a gap between the Big 12 and SEC right now uh, as of a year ago but now that's all going to change because the SEC's money is nearly going to double from that Uh, and same with the Big the Big Ten's going to go up not double but going to go considerably from that so it's going to be wild to see what happens on the back end of the distribution with the playoff and everything else that's coming up. But uh, there's not as much of a financial gap now between the bottom three and the SEC, but it's about to be cavernous. 
Yeah, I mean, it is. And, you know, I think uh, I saw something yesterday. I can't recall who exactly it was from. Um, but, you know, when you are making double what others are making, like how much of an advantage is it going to give you? Like is it different making $50 million more than making $30 million more? Like mm-hmm. what does that extra $20 million do? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you just buy more players? I mean, because that's basically where a lot of the money's going now. It's not, you know, again, name, image, likeness, really. It's it's simply just going and grabbing players. Um, and, you know, hey, you know, giving them, in some cases, the largest, you know, paydays they'll probably ever see, which is why it's great. It's life-changing, family, generational, altering money in a lot of cases, which I do think needs to always be brought back into focus of why it's such a good thing and it's not all, you know, negative Nancy like it can sometimes sound or be portrayed on here. I just get frustrated with, like, the the, the lack of rules, you know, the lack of uh, – of uh, the continuity of it. I'm just somebody who kind of likes things clean and clear cut and NIL is anything but that. And I think that's why it just boggles my brain and frustrates me to think about because it's just sort of all over the place. You know, it's like a, it's like a Picasso or something. Is Picasso, who, who is the one that's just kind of throwing every, uh, who would be a famous artist? I'm trying uh, to think Andy about. Warhol. Like a, yeah, something like Jackson a, like, Pollock. I got, yeah, it's like a Jackson Pollock, right? Like that's what, and I'm more of like a Mona Lisa. You know, yeah. I, I know what it is. It's clear cut. It's, it's a woman. Okay, I get that. And this, and NIL's Jackson Pollock. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it just makes my brain go haywire uh, trying to think about that. But um, yeah, you know, that's, that's a, that's something I wonder about is, okay, you're making $90 million and the Big 12 is making 45 Okay, that's certainly going to make a huge difference. Or the Pac-12 is making whatever, the ACC is making whatever. We know the ACC schools are freaking out, some of them, because of that widening gap. But once you get past a certain point, like really what does that difference make? Uh, and maybe it doesn't, that doesn't even matter because that $20 million difference is – you know, the $20 million of a difference that is enough of a difference is enough of one that it puts you so far in a different stratosphere that you're hurting. So that other 20 extra million dollars is, like, not even in the picture, really. But, uh, yeah, I, I think this is the, the concern for everybody involved except for those top two uh, and maybe a little bit less the Big 12 right now than before of, you know, what do those numbers continue to look like moving forward? And I saw a lot of people latching on of like, well, just wait until Oklahoma and Texas leave. They're screwed. And it's like, well, you weren't paying attention to the headlines over the last year because they've kind of counterbalanced that to where everybody's going to be making the same. And you and that's with the new schools. And you might say, well, you know, it's years later. It should be making more. But you just lost Texas and Oklahoma. So the fact that they can even make as much as they were – is the win like because the whole idea was they were going to lose those teams and then just fall into this cavernous hole of where they're making like 16 million a year and they were going to be the dead last of the power five instead they maintain their position despite losing those two so they kind of break even and then if you add in the new college football playoff money and all the other things that Bray Yormark's trying to do and one thing I didn't see brought up because there was a particular like Pac-12 fan that I saw really just trying to go at it with Big 12 fans over the figure. And I don't think he realized, like, there's also the buyout money that, that comes into play that, that that counterbalances it. But don't forget, the Pac-12 is going to have to be paying a little bit of money as well for their whole uh, situation that we uh, learned about uh, with the, the money not the going Comcast, Comcast yeah. where the money wasn't supposed to be going where it was supposed to go. And so we haven't heard, I think, the last of that. So you, you take that into account as well, and that does – you know, deviate the figures a little bit more. So I think you got to be happy if you're the Big 12 that you're, you know, where you expected to be and maybe even a little bit better off. Uh, we're definitely better off than you expected coming off of the Oklahoma and Texas announcement. Um, if you're the ACC, it's very clear as number four to see why you're like, what? 
what is going on? We're four out of five. Uh, if you're the Pac-12, I think, you know, you probably thought you were or the Big 12 maybe were going to be in that spot. Um, but, you know, now you're trying to get into a better spot with these negotiations that have been ongoing for a while. And, you know, nothing else on that today that I saw. Uh, maybe you did. I don't think so. But, um, you know, we'll see where they land uh, ultimately when that new TV deal gets announced sometime here in the next year or so. But uh, that's that's uh, interesting to look at. And I think if you're the Big 12, you got to be happy. If you're the ACC, again, very frustrated. And if you're the PAC, you're just wondering what that's going to look like here in the next five years or so. But the top two, I mean, what can you say? They're, they're ahead. They're going to be ahead. They're never going to not be ahead. And I don't see a scenario really where unless the Big 12 or like the ACC and even with them, that TV deal, man, is just such an albatross for how long it is. But, you know, barring the Big 12 having like K-State, TCU, Baylor, and Tech or something like go roll off some national championships in football in like a string, which is unlikely, um, they're probably going to be a distant third uh, at best. And and the other two would be as well at their very best. And that's just the way it's going to be. And, you know, we'll see how much that matters. It's going to matter. It's going to matter in the transfer portal. It's going to matter in NIL. It's going to matter in facilities and things like that. But, again, how much, like, how much really makes a difference at a certain point, you know? And how much – the other thing is it's not just about how much because, you know, Northwestern is going to get, you know, what, $80 million a year for this. But but is it going to change their – their organizational philosophy when it comes to football that much why would it they can be bad and still you know like they can yeah is Rutgers, that money other place yeah is Rutgers suddenly going to be a far better program than k-state because they're making way more money i wouldn't put my money no. on the scarlet knights uh no no but if you gave but if you did give a program like k-state 80 oh million dollars a yeah. year holy cow yeah. i mean that like you know where they would spend that money their football and basketball in particular would would have like second and on facilities. So that is interesting. And, and it's also why when you, you mentioned the ACC and their TV deal locked in that they're trying to do this merit-based thing because what other way, especially are the big football brands going to have to keep pace because they're the ones who have decided to put forth their resources into football. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are going to. So if you are one of those seven schools that considers yourself especially a football first school that cares about football and is trying to win conference and national titles every single year. Not that the other ones aren't, but that is what drives your athletic department completely because I mean, it's, you know, depending on who your president is, who your AD is and what your alumni are. I mean, you, you're technically always trying, but you know, some people have to do it money ball way and other people can do it big money way. And, you know, UNC and Florida State and Clemson and Miami feel that they and those other schools feel they want to, you know, throw some money around, but they can't make more money. There's no way for them to make more money. So that's why they tried to, to do what they're doing. But even then, it's probably still not going to close the gap in a way that's going to make them feel better and more comfortable for more than a decade. Probably not. I mean, not in the, the near future. Uh, you know, it's a nice thought. It was a fun thought at the beginning of the week that that was, you know, something that perhaps was going to be happening or imminent. I mean, it just, it just felt so heavy, right, on like Monday of like, oh, man, something's going to happen. And then, you know, everybody actually reads the the contracts and they apparently did so, you know, multiple occasions, multiple, you know, pairings and groups meeting at different times or talking at different times. And they walked away and we're very public here this week about like, yeah, we just, there's, there's not really anything to do about it. So, I mean, they're, they're stuck. Uh, they know they're stuck. I'm sure they're still finding and trying to find a way to, or, or fighting and trying to find a way to figure out some loophole that, that, 
doesn't seem to exist right now that will get them in a better opportunity to perhaps uh, change that, but there's not something on the horizon right now. So that gap continues. I mean, I guess the good thing is, is like we know that their money is also not changing all that tremendously much in the next few years either because they're now locked into their new mm-hmm. TV deal. So, you know, it's not like every year it's just going to be like another $50 millions added on um, to where, you know, you look up in two years and now it's like three times of what it was. But, you know, as as the years shave off, like you're also getting closer to your deal. And when both of you come up, whatever arrangement we're talking about here, um, we know the SEC and Big Ten will get, you know, a large chunk without even having to, to negotiate for it. And the others will kind of have to state their case a little bit more. And so, you know, we've seen Brett Yormark try to be, you know, a bit of a – of an innovator and a, and a guy who's trying to find money where he can. I'm very curious to know, like, with these basketball tournaments in the preseason or these international games, like, what kind of money is that really adding overall? Like, is it adding, like, a million to everybody's pockets at the end of the year? Is it adding a couple million? Like, where do they see the benefit of that outside of the exposure? Um, because I don't think that's calculated into things, and I'm not sure it would make a massive difference either way. Like, nobody's making $10 million more as a result of these ideas, but can you get to a point where maybe you are making a few million, and then, you know, 45's 50, or 50's 55, and then you're at least growing your, your base a little bit more uh, outside of the, the TV contract, which is fixed for, you know, well, the foreseeable future. I mean, with Brett Yormark and trying to go international, what he's trying to do, especially with basketball, which is a far more international sport than than football is, is is say, okay, we're going to play in Mexico and we're going to try to play some games in Europe and we're going to make Big 12 college basketball popular there so that we can get international distribution media rights there. So that's more money for that. But that's a long-term play. It's not like they're going to go and play Houston and Kansas and, and Mexico City in 2024 and then all of a sudden everybody's going to wake up in the morning in Mexico and be a Big 12 fan. I mean that is a long long term uh, thing that they're trying to do there. Yeah, that's a long play. Yeah. And who knows if he'll even be around to see, yeah. you know, most of it. Uh, you know, we got to be just realistic about the he situation. Could, he could be being the next president of a network. He could. You know, yeah, he like could that, be yeah. the president of a franchise in the yeah. NBA or something. Like, yeah, I mean, he could do any number of things, but you know, if you uh, are only looking short term, then that's a mistake as well. So I like the fact that he's he's thinking both short term and long term but yeah I'm just curious it's just kind of a just a random you know thought I've had of just like I wonder how much that's really gonna gonna add because I think any amount's significant so if it's a couple million bucks or it's a hundred thousand I think that's notable in the payoffs but interesting to see that I think uh you know not quite maybe what you thought as far as the top to the middle to the bottom uh and really it's really just kind of a, a top to a middle and there's really not as much separation as you would think but as we know like that real separation started to come in these these next wave of tv contracts not what's already happened but what's about to happen with the big 10 and their you know combination of networks and with the sec espn exclusivity uh that's when we'll start to see more of the the dividing line there but uh yeah not not as bad or extreme as maybe you would think given how it's talked about but that's also because we're talking about what's about to happen yeah absolutely when we come back by the way a quick note here but uh usc ad mike bone has resigned Uh, Hmm. so that just coming down the pipeline from a number of various uh, reporters Uh, i just saw pete thamel and and a few others rattle that off Uh, i think uh, la times had that maybe first not quite sure Uh, but yes mike bone stepping down said he'll always be proud of leading the program out of the most tumultuous times in the history of the profession and at usc with a restored reputation and national 
milestone accomplishments effective immediately. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, USC, though, now in search of a new athletic director as they get ready to uh, eventually here very soon make this move into the Big Ten. You want to talk about a guy who fixed a problem at USC, Lincoln Riley, and then led them into the Big Ten. Holy cow. Uh, he, he shook up the world there on the West Coast. When we come back, Manny Navarro, the athletic, uh, explains what was going on in the ACC, especially from the Miami perspective. This is 365 Sports. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash 365 and get on your way to being your best self. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether with friends, work, your significant other, or anyone else. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 365 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 365. BetterHelp.com. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, Samantha Duvall is in charge of marketing and also distribution. Memorial Day, right around the corner, 4th of July. What are some of the best opportunities for people if they want to order online and maybe get a bundle when they have those holidays in front of them? TexasBeefHouse.com. You can order. We've got plenty of family bundles. Probably our most bestseller is our sampler pack. That gives you a variety of our jalapeno and cheese patties, our regular patties, ground beef, our garlic link, summer sausage. Right now, all of our family bundles are on sale. It's the best time to buy it. We also, you can buy steaks individually. All of our steaks come to a package. We ship Monday through Wednesday. So make sure you get your orders in early. That way you can get them almost the next day. The owner, Aaron Duvall, his daughter-in-law, Samantha Duvall, head of marketing and distribution, unleashed the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Thank you. 
Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em Bears. It's Jeep season at Allen Samuels in Waco, and the deals are hot. Get a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with $5,500 in total values or a 2023 Jeep Gladiator Sport with total values up to $5,000. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Manny Navarro, frequent guest of the program from The Athletic, covers the ACC and, of course, the Miami Hurricanes. And Manny... A really uh, kind of interesting, odd week, I'm sure, especially covering the ACC. Knowing that these issues had been brewing, what was your initial Mm. reaction to this group of seven uh, kind of, you know, banding together and and making some demands? Well, it's it's not surprising that, uh, you know, the the schools that feel pretty good about their football programs and, and see the, you know, seeing the widening gap so to speak, uh, between the SEC and and, and Big Ten and then everybody else, uh, that they're going to want to try to find a resolution. So none of it was surprising. I've had discussions, obviously, with a lot of administrators uh, who said this was going on for a while. Everybody was looking into the grant of rights and trying to figure out, you know, how much wiggle room is there in there? Uh, Is there any chance we could could figure out a way to squeeze more money out of ESPN? You know, just, just trying to figure out some solution here because uh pretty soon the gap's going to be pretty wide. And uh, and so it, it didn't catch me off guard. Neither did the Magnificent Seven. I'd heard there's been quite a few schools that are sort of banding together to, to figure this out. Uh, but but in the end, man, there, there really is no resolution to this, um, I think, for the ACC schools, un- unless there's a, a desire for the SEC, uh, even the Big 12, or, or somebody else really saying, okay, we think we can we can make our deals even better, um, and I don't I don't see the Big Twelve doing it, and 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 obviously the SEC and, and Big Ten already have their deals done, right? So um, it's going to be a while before anything really happens in my mind. So Manny, what did you think? I guess, like you said, it's going to be a while before anything happens. But were you surprised at I guess at how much of their barking suddenly silenced in a matter of like a day it went from like a hundred to about 25 <laughs> miles per hour by the end of the uh the meetings there yeah it it, it really did and and you know it's it, it's not it's not surprising i mean look what 
what what resolutions were there really other than hey maybe we'll, we'll reward teams that win a little more i mean there's there's nothing else you can really do i mean lawyers have been looking at this grant rights thing forever so um it, it's may we're bored right we wish football was here <laughs> you need something to talk about but uh it, it really the reality is um until in my opinion until there's the big 10 feels desperate enough where they feel they've got to go get a Clemson or a Florida State or North Carolina or Miami so that they can compete with the SEC for championships. Because let's face it, the bottom line is the SEC is where it's at in football. They're going to win the majority of the championships year in and year out. You might have an Ohio State or Michigan rise up one year. Um, But this is the SEC's game. So until we get to that point where the Big Ten feels motivated, I honestly don't think there will be any serious movement. I mean, Brett Yormark is brilliant. I know he's trying to fix things with the Big 12s. But uh, the ACC teams might as well just stay where they're where they're at because the Big Twelve is not going to all of a sudden produce a whole bunch more money to share and, and make it make it enticing for them. So uh, it's basically, in my mind, Big Ten or bust here. Manny, were you? I, I mean, if you, I, and I know that never never the idea was let, let's get an eighth and ninth team here and bust this thing up and and send everybody their separate ways because again, that's probably even a worse lawsuit than just two teams leaving uh, and 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 moving yep. on, but. Was it weird to think that, you know, if there was a nuclear option, like schools like NC State and Virginia Tech would not definitely have a place to go? I mean, you know, you would think right. that, you know, Florida State, Clemson, UNC, Miami, they're, they're, they're probably all right. But after that, it starts to get a little murky for the other 10 teams in the league. Yeah, I mean, it really it turned into a situation where the, where the Big 12 found itself, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, after losing Texas and Oklahoma, essentially – you know, you you take off Clemson, Florida State, Miami, and North Carolina out of the ACC, and what do you what do you have? What do you have? Pac-12, basically. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even sure. Pac-12 still has Oregon and Washington that, that can represent you pretty well. I, I think obviously this is a top-heavy, football-heavy uh, push by the, by the Florida States and Clemsons of the world who just don't want to see their programs fall behind. And inevitably, like I said, I, I think by the time we get to about 2030. 2029, uh, when the Big Ten sort of reevaluating itself and, and looking to, to you know renegotiate its deal, that's when I think more of this stuff may actually happen. And, and again, it's just going to depend on what place Clemson is. Dabo Sweeney's still the coach there. Is uh, Florida State, uh, you know, have they taken what what they accomplished last year and and moved forward and been a consistently winning program? Has Miami gotten back to being Miami? Um, I think all of those will be factors uh, with whether or not we really see change. Because there's no reason to, for, for them to change. I mean, those 16 schools are pretty pretty much set and so, so much further along. Why invite anybody else to the party unless you really need it? No, you're yeah, you're absolutely right. It's just it's fun for it's fun for uh, people to fantasy book right and think about like, hey, what would this look like and all that. And and you've been very clear like nothing's going to happen. Nothing's on the horizon barring just some you know catastrophic shift in things. But if you were to just to, to kind of know the pulse of Miami fans, if you were to poll Miami fans in general about what they would like to see moving forward or where they feel like they fit, that sort of thing, where they belong more so than in an ACC that's lagging behind, what would uh, the most common response be, you think? Well, I think for most Miami fans who don't pay a whole lot of attention to this, um, they'd say the SEC, they'd want to go play against Florida every year and they'd hope Florida State would come along and, and that that would be the the dream scenario. Um, I think that's uh, ideally what they would want. You'd have great games every week. You'd be in the Premier Conference. You'd recruit an elite level. But, uh, 
there really is no need for the SEC to do that. I mean, why why invite Miami to the party? What do they bring to you that uh, you don't already have? So, I, again, that's that's why I think this is Big Ten or bus. I think from a school administration standpoint, uh, the way that they you know feel about things, I think they they feel like they're a better fit for the Big Ten, especially on the academic side, and uh, you know. Um, so I think, you know, you obviously have two different approaches there. The fans want one thing. I think the administration wants something else. Um, again, I, I just, it's going to be a while before anything happens. Right. Yeah. I, I, um, man, I, it'd be interesting, you know, if it did happen, but you know, just, just on the Miami and Florida state end of it, uh, I don't see, and it's not just Florida that wouldn't want them there. It's Georgia and Alabama and all these schools that are recruiting against them with that advantage of saying like, oh, you don't want to go play in the ACC. Like just right. to give them that without having maybe being forced into it or the economics tell them that that's absolutely what you need to do. I just don't see them sitting around like the meeting going, how can we get these schools? Because uh, they're enjoying, the, especially with – Florida State and Miami being down for as long as they have the last few years, those are recruits that they've not really had to worry about losing them for quite some time. Absolutely. You're at a huge advantage if you're Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. If you don't invite Miami and Florida State to the party. I mean, there's same thing with Clemson. You keep them out, um, you know, you're going to continue to get the best players. Um, you know, I think, again, to me, the only thing that makes sense when you look at this is, and you look at recent history, right, for, for as much as the Big Ten makes – uh, profits well off of uh, you know where their schools are located and and uh, and have a great TV contract. Um, when you start counting championships, it's the SEC, right? And, and then a couple from Clemson uh, the last couple of years. So unless um, the Miami, Florida States, and Clemsons of the world continue or, or reach that championship level again, um, I, I don't see why that there's just no motivation at that point. I think the SEC would just be playing defense. You know, sort of uh, keep keep those teams from going to the big time. So many, um, you know, that's kind of where it is and where it's going to be for a little while. But I know spring ball wrapped up a while ago, and just as we're starting to enter this this part of the off season, um, how do you just feel about the state of things with the the portal uh, additions and subtractions? Uh, you know, how spring practices went. Uh, I know there's a lot of speculation there for a while about Tyler Van Dyke in Alabama, but now that things have sort of settled for Cristobal and company, how are you feeling about the Canes? Well, I think they're going to be better up front. I think uh, Mario did a good job between what he did in the portal um, and, and in, among the high school ranks. He got a couple five-star offensive linemen and, and, and some, just some really good quality guys. Uh, you know, Javion Cohen was obviously starting for Alabama. Two-year starter for him, went out and, and got one of the best uh, centers in the country uh, and, and Matt Lee from UCF. So, you know, the interior side of the offensive line is, is going to be much improved. And, of course, Francis Maui Goa, a five-star offensive tackle. Um, he's you know he's probably going to be Miami starting right tackle. So you put in three big physical bodies. You know Mario. He, he's an offensive lineman himself. Uh, he, that's where the game the games really won and lost, especially at the championship level. And so I think you know Tyler Van Dyke's going to have more time to throw. I think this offense is a better fit. Um, you know everything that they want to do in terms of being more air raid. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I think they're, they're going to the right st- strategy with Lance Gidry. Um, you know, just being a more aggressive defense that brings more pressure in, in creative ways. They don't have great cornerbacks, uh, but they do have guys that can get to the quarterback. They do have some some pretty talented defensive linemen, uh, you know, uh, uh, guys, that, that, guys that will definitely create havoc. So um, I think they're going to play to their strengths. I think they'll be a seven or eight win team this year. 
Um, and then we'll see how Mario does recruiting in year two. Can he can he continue to hang in top ten classes? Can he stack the talent the way the SEC schools do? That's that'll be an interesting question going forward. How do you think? Um, and you, you mentioned Gidry that they responded to. I mean, he, he did fast. He's not going to waste time if the coordinators aren't working. They were gone uh, after mm-hmm. year one. That they've responded as a whole staff to that, especially on the recruiting trail. Have you seen that that turn up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think you know the guys that he went out and got are, are, are more scrappers. You know, I think you, know, you look at his first first go around. Um, just the coaches that he hired, the assistants that he hired uh, across the board are, are guys who have been at premier program. Miami's not in a premier program right now. They need, they almost need guys that have the mentality that they're at a G5 program, that they, that they have to sort of find and develop talent um, and, and make those guys better. You're not always going to be uh, cooking filet mignon uh, when you're, you know, when you're back there and you've got to sometimes work with some, with some stuff that isn't top shelf. And, and I think, um, I think they've taken that approach, this recruiting cycle, they're really trusting their own evaluations. They're going after guys that these coaches um, really like. Uh, I don't think they're looking at the star rating as much as maybe they were a year ago when Mario was really just sort of taking advantage of, of year one and all the excitement, new guy. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I think going forward, you know, it's, it's the right approach. They're running the right offense, the right defense. They're, they're getting more of the guys who I think fit their scheme. Um, and and we'll see we'll see what the results are. I, this this program ultimately the only way they're going to take a step forward, uh, in my opinion, is by eliminating the embarrassing moments. They've had so many embarrassing moments uh, over the last five or six years: losing to FIU, losing to Middle Tennessee State last year, losing home to Duke by twenty four points in football. Um, those things can't happen anymore. You know, if you lose to Texas A and M or, or get beat by a really good Alabama team by three, there's no shame in that. You're, you're not anywhere near that. But it's, it's the embarrassing moments that Mario Cristobal has to eliminate uh, from having uh, this program suffer. Manny Navarro, theathletic.com, covers Miami the ACC so well. My, Manny, thank you so much for hopping on the show. Good talking to you guys. Take care. There you go. Yeah, I, uh, there's Miami fans that are like, wah, wah, yeah, after but that. But no, I mean, he's, he, he's right. I mean, that's, that's what was established you know, earlier this week was that, hey, we're all hunky-dory now. Now, we all know that that's not really the case. But in terms of like you have to be seismic somewhat shifting. hunky-dory. Yeah, I mean, because you're going to probably have to get along for the next decade. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, decade plus, actually. More like 12, the, 13 years. The, the best they can do is just get, get as good as you can. You know, make sure you. It's not just a a three team league, and right. and hope that that the viewership notices. Yeah, no, I mean I've long said, and I think uh, others have you know reiterated or said it as well. It's just winning's all that matters. I mean, in the end, as far as like you know some of the things that are that are out of your control or even somewhat in your control, just go win. Win a lot of games, and you'll be amazed at what can happen and what all that extra attention can do for you. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that they're certainly one of those that you look at and you're not surprised at all that they would be a little bit wishy-washy on what the future looks like and feel like maybe they b- deserve a, a little bit of a better spot. But I think what's great about that was not necessarily the, uh, you know, like, hey, there's, there's nothing that's going to happen 
from his vantage point, but just the idea of where they would even fit in and who would allow that and who would be for or against that. I mean, that's a, another obstacle that you, you have if you're the Hurricanes as opposed to North Carolina, for example. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's something that could definitely work against them uh, or work for them, you know, down the line, depending on how it goes. Um, but, you know, very uh, interesting early season matchup with A&M. Uh, both those programs really could use that win. And so that'll be fun to see that game when it rolls around uh, early on next year. Yeah. And, you know, really them adding Oklahoma and Texas to schools that are you know, premier schools was about the TV thing and not about anything else because, you know, they, they've not really, I mean, they'll recruit against them anyway, but it's still, they've kind of been swimming in slightly different ponds for a little while. Oklahoma's been great up until last year. So that's the scary one to add in. Uh, and then not to, I'm not trying to knock Texas here, but based on their recent history, you know, that, or their history overall, they have these like dominant periods and then they have big gaps. And so they haven't been as consistent. So they're not as scary, but going back to the last time they invited teams in, look, Missouri and A&M didn't scare anybody in the SEC when they called them up. They weren't worried about like, oh crap, we're, we're going to start losing the Aggies all of a sudden. They, they weren't worried about that. I do think, though, that if you said, you know, we're going to bring in Florida State, Miami, and Clemson, they're like, well, our schools have lost to them quite a bit in the past mm-hmm. uh, during certain stretches, so we don't want to give them the advantage that unless we have to. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, too, you brought up the Dabo part of Clemson, right, of like, well, is Dabo still around even at that point years yeah. down the road, and where is Clemson in the grand scheme? Because I do think if you're just looking at it, I mean, Clemson, don't get me wrong, is not some – you know, fresh new face on the block, but I can see where it's kind of viewed that way by people who weren't watching in the eighties, yeah. you know, or, or, uh, you know, just historically weren't paying much attention to, to what they've done. Um, because they are kind of, I guess, a, a newer name in comparison to Alabama or Ohio state, you know, um, and, and especially the, just the level of success that they, they experience, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a long way to, I mean, what coach will be at an ACC school 10 years from now? Will mm. any of them be at an ACC school 10 years from now? I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure any of them will be. That's a long time down the road, but yeah, I mean, there's always, I guess that 1% chance that, you know, something could happen to, to crater the thought that they're kind of stuck. Uh, but I do think it's probably, you know, for your own sanity, better to just assume like this is the way it's going to be and then just get wildly and, you know, excitedly surprised if that were to shift uh, and change uh, between now and 2036. But um, for right now, yeah, they're they're stuck between a rock and a hard place, it appears. Maybe we'll have flying cars by then. Very well could. I hope so. But I feel like we've been lied to. The hoverboard BS from Back to the Future 2, I'm never going to get over. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, Grayson Gruntafer, Sikkim365.com, on Baylor's new quarterback commit for the class of 2024. That's coming up next, 365 Sports. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late-night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. One size fits all. 
That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SIPC. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, right behind the bank, is a hidden gem in Waco. If you're a fan of bourbon, especially local Texas bourbons, that's where you gotta go. Balcones, TX, Devil's River, whatever it is, they've got it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, plus the best selection of craft beers in Waco, seasonally churned out throughout the year, whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, best selection of craft beers, a speedy drive through window, and excellent customer service. Find out more on Instagram or just go by and see them. Lakeshore Drive at North 19th Street behind the bank. You want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy, and, you know, I bring my kids, and my kids love being here, too. They really love the treasure box. (laughs) Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. Grayson Grunhafer, Sikkim365.com. And Grayson Baylor has their quarterback in the class of 2024 in Nate Bennett. We talked to him yesterday. He said the recruiting is shut down. He's not going anywhere else. Um, is it still – are you still 
a little nervous? I mean, even though he was very definitive about that, uh, will this be another one that uh, people are nervous about until December? I definitely don't think so. I mean, this is one of those commitments that I think everyone should feel really good about. I know everything that he talked to you all about really was just how focused he is on getting to Baylor and, um, you know, just that he's locked in. And there were multiple instances during his interview with y'all where it just seemed very definite. And I know everything that I've talked to him about, it seems definite. He, you know, basically was like, if they offer me, I'm going to commit. So I think all of that just kind of adds up to this point where this seems like a very locked in quarterback. I know Baylor fans are very uh, nervous when I say something like that because of what happened with Austin Novosad last year. And then of course uh, the whole Zach Pyron situation, which was, you know, a little bit weird. Um, but in general, I think Baylor's got their guy and I would be shocked if Nate Bennett, you know, decided to even look elsewhere, to be honest. Uh Paul, with all due respect, I think some of that Baylor fan negativity and angst leaked into you there because, yeah. I mean, let's talk about what a big deal was this to get him, Grayson. I mean, this is a, you know, there were questions all these last few weeks. Like, oh, my God, you need to fire Sean Bell. Like, the program's falling apart. We can't get a quarterback. I mean, how big is it to land their 2024 guy and have that settled in seemingly and to hopefully be on their way to, you know, building that quarterback room back up to, you know, where it uh, should be, you know, as far as the depth goes? Well, I mean, I think it answers probably the biggest question that we have had all spring, which was who's going to be Baylor's quarterback in the 2024 class. So you're exactly right. It is huge. It's massive. It's something that I think Baylor fans needed. I think the Baylor program needed. After two years of not having a quarterback sign, it's nice to at least have one committed, especially because I think there was a lot of anxiety about the fact that Baylor had offered you know, all these quarterbacks but weren't able to land any of them. So there was kind of this thought of, oh, no, here we go again. What's going to happen? Is Baylor going to pass on a quarterback? But I think it became very clear over the last couple months as Baylor went out you know, kind of had guys visit campus. Sean Bell was going around to different schools evaluating quarterbacks. It was very clear that Baylor was going to take a high school quarterback in the 2024 class. I've been pretty firm on that, you know, ever since they landed Sora Robertson. This was going to be important that they landed one. Not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily matter which one, but they needed to land one in this class just for the, the high school quarterback recruiting part of things. But yeah, I think Bennett is a good quarterback and one who I think if you look at kind of the timeline, you see that the last Baylor offer at the quarterback position was on February 4th. And that was to Haas, Haney, and Deuce Adams. Haas, of course, committed to TCU, Deuce uh, to Louisville. They had not put out an offer since that February 4th date. So that means these coaches did a ton of evaluation. They went through a really strict process of trying to figure out, okay, what do we like about this guy? What do we like about that guy? Who fits what our program needs? Who, you know, who checks the most boxes? And at the end of the day, this is the guy that they went out and said, we need him in this class. He's the perfect fit. He does everything that we need. And I think that's a huge testament to kind of what Jeff Grimes and Sean Bell have kind of gone through with their process. And if you look through their evaluations, they've done an amazing job of evaluating talent. You look at guys like Austin Novoside, DJ Lagway, Cade Klubnick. Baylor was the first school to offer all three of those guys. And now look at where those guys are at. I mean, they're all basically five-star prospects. 
um, in either at Big Ten schools or being recruited by basically every school in the country. So I think Baylor fans should trust their process and trust the fact that they took this long to make a decision because they finally found their guy. Do you think that precludes them from taking another one if they liked him? I mean, other schools take two in a class, or is this a one quarterback per class strategy that they they want to do year in and year out? I think that in most situations, I would say that it is basically either one quarterback or no quarterback in every single class. You have the transfer portal to kind of alleviate those concerns as well, kind of like they did with Sawyer Robertson. But I think specifically in this situation, Baylor is in a really good position, in my opinion, with the 2025 quarterbacks, which is the next class. Um, And so in my eyes, I don't think you take another quarterback here uh, because if you do, you make your situation a whole lot less appealing uh, to potential 2025 prospects. So I think it's pretty much just going to be Nate Bennett. I think you go into the season with the, the guys that they have. You go into the spring. Uh, adding Nate Bennett because I do believe he will end up early enrolling and then you kind of figure out what the roster looks like from there uh, before making any decisions but again I I think it'll just be one quarterback I don't think they're going to add a transfer either obviously a lot depends on what happens with Chapin and Robertson and then they go out and add a 2025 quarterback because again they're they're in a good spot I think in that class right now and uh, he wasn't the only addition uh, and the actual other addition is is going to make a far earlier impact and will be, you know, hopefully doing some things pretty well for the defense starting here in just a few months is Johnny Carter Grayson uh, from Utah State cornerback, a guy that you've mentioned uh, quite a few times. And I know for those on the website and on the boards, like he's been talked about quite a bit. Uh, he commits to Baylor and makes it official as they are now well into the double digits on the transfers they brought in this offseason. Your thoughts on Carter and what that means? I mean, it's huge because it's a position of absolute need for this Baylor program going into next season. I mean, it was very clear with the offers that they sent out. You know, They went after the cornerback position. They offered multiple guys. They evaluated a ton of prospects at that position, and they finally kind of settled on a Johnny Carter, and a Johnny Carter showed a ton of interest in Baylor. Uh, the process took a little bit longer than I thought it would, Uh, But ultimately, you're landing a prospect over Indiana, BYU, and Penn State, and Houston, uh, because all those schools offered him, uh, and Baylor won out. For a guy that only has one year of eligibility left, but he's a guy who's really proven a lot of things over the last two years as far as being a guy who is a playmaker. uh, He's got four interceptions in the last two years and also three forced fumbles, a reliable tackler. He's got nearly 100 tackles over the last two years. And just a guy who I think is more of a, a stabling presence and more of a, adding more experience really to the room. And ultimately, this group needed depth, right? Because you're going to try to play press coverage a ton this year. That's what Matthew Pallage and Dave Randa have said. If you're going to play press coverage an entire game, you have got to have depth at the cornerback position. And now I feel really good about their two deep there. Uh, I think they're going to be pretty good. Ultimately, I I think above average in the Big 12 is my expectation after landing a Johnny Carter over the weekend. All right, so Carter's now in the fold. They've got a quarterback. What else is there to kind of know right now as far as uh, recruiting and, you know, transfer potential and all that? I know, you know, we're in that period now where things are shut down or this or that, but uh, camp's around the corner. What's kind of uh, the focus at this moment? 
For sure. So, I mean, I think Baylor's pretty much done with the transfer portal. It just seems like this was their last spot. That's kind of what I had been reporting throughout the spring. Um, and I just don't see a lot of movement happening uh, with other transfers at the moment. So I think this is their roster going into the 20 or going into the summer, I should say. And now as far as on the recruiting side of things outside of transfers, uh, this is a big Official visits happen in June. Camps happen in June, which is a great time for the Baylor staff to find hidden guys and find guys who maybe test better than you expected, uh, as that could lead to offers. We've seen multiple commitments uh, pretty much throughout Baylor. You know, the last six years that I've been covering Baylor, we've seen multiple commitments uh, from prospects to attend Baylor camps. So that's going to be a big focus. And then, of course, like I said, the official visits are going to be massive as Baylor tries to kind of construct this 2024 class. They currently have five commits in it. Uh, so a long way to go, I would say, probably, I, I would think at least, you know, 10 to 15 more spots would be my expectation uh, going forward, which means they have a lot of work to do in the month of June. So I think that kind of covers all the Baylor bases, but uh, just dawned on me who you root for NBA-wise, so... How are you feeling about Victor Webanyama? What a crazy moment. I mean, I was just, I was watching the lottery. I had a bunch of my friends from San Antonio actually FaceTime me. So we're sitting there watching it together, uh, the five of us on FaceTime. And we're just watching the numbers go and every team getting called. And I think it was, really the big thing was the Spurs needed to get past seven and six because those were kind of their highest odd chances of being outside the top four. And then you got the five, and you felt pretty good that it wasn't going to be the Spurs, uh, because I think at the number five spot, Detroit had like a 47% chance of getting that pick. Um, so after that, you felt really good. And honestly, once you get inside the top four, it's just kind of like, okay, who's got the best odds here? You know, let's just hope it breaks the right way. And it just kept going. And guys, when it got to the Spurs at number one, it just was a surreal moment. Um, freaking out. I mean, it changes the course of the Spurs, honestly, you know, for the next decade at least. Um, and, you know, the Spurs track record really of landing these number one picks usually turns out pretty good when you look at David Robinson, Tim Duncan, now Victor Wimbanyama. Uh, so, yeah, I feel really good about it. Spurs are in a much better situation than they were uh, before this weekend. And like I said, it changes everything for the Spurs culture and, and for just the, the organization, because now there's a lot of excitement in San Antonio again, which really hasn't been there uh, since basically since Tim Duncan left, but really once Kawhi left, that kind of put them in this uh, just kind of no man's land. It's not just though, like the the development that they they have that's so good. And Grace, I'm a Spurs fan too, so I, I was thrilled. It's that they didn't get this on like a a Michael Olawakandi year. They got it on, like, again, where David Robinson, for sure the guy you're going to take. Tim Duncan, for sure the guy you're going to take. And Wemby, for sure the guy you're going to take. Like You're exactly right. It, it makes the decision super easy, right? There is no, like, oh, I could take this guy or I could take that guy. It's, like, perfect path. You know who the best prospect is. That's who you're taking. And, yeah, it's a great situation to be in. And, I, I you know, I think there's a lot of hyperbole going on right now when you think about like Woj saying that he's the greatest prospect possibly in any sport of all time. I think that might be pushing it a little bit, but I do think he is a just crazy elite prospect. And honestly, if he wasn't 
a foreign prospect, I think he would have gotten similar attention to what LeBron James got during his recruitment. Grayson Grunhafer, Sigum365.com. Grayson, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. All right, there we go. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk Virginia Tech with Andy Bitter. Uh, that was one of those teams in the Magnificent Seven that was kind of curious a little bit, uh, Craig. So we'll talk to him about that. Plus, uh, is Kyron Drones going to win that quarterback job in the fall? We'll see you next. This is 365 Sports. Cars price right both day and night. Average your car in Texas. Trucks built for you. Red, white, and blue. Average your car in Texas. Cars that zoom with lots of room. Average your car in Texas. Count on us, a dealer to trust. Average your car in Waco, Texas. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for, try the sickum sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, Charming, warm, welcome home. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. 
U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Andy Bitter, TechSideline.com covers the Hokies. Andy, thanks so much for hopping on the show here on 365 Sports. Uh, we had Manny Navarro on from The Athletic earlier, kind of giving the Miami perspective of this and the ACC. It's a, it was a strange start to the week with all of that going on. And how did you feel covering it and seeing Virginia Tech's place in it in that this is one of the few teams that's in the ACC that's actually won it fairly recently, so they've got some sway, but in this world of of conference realignment, they're just not a team that's ever been talked about nationally. So where do you think they sit as they look at themselves long-term in the ACC that's that's stuck together for at least 13 more years? Yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, You know, they show up in that uh, so-called Magnificent Seven, uh, how Brett McMurphy called them, which is a ridiculous name. But, uh, you know, they're not quite like some of the schools at the top where you're talking about Clemson and North Carolina and Florida state and Miami, probably even in terms of, you know, if you were a free agent and were out there, would somebody snap you up pretty quickly? And I think so with the majority of those schools, if not all of them, I think it's less certain when you're talking about Virginia tech and NC state and Virginia, and you get to the next group. And, and yeah, Virginia is a capped market in terms of, cable households, but this whole realignment round hasn't really been about cable households necessarily. It's been about brands. So I think if you're the Hokies, you maybe need to watch your step a little bit here because you don't want to leave behind something in the ACC that's, that's not horrible. I know what everybody's making it out to be right now. It's not horrible uh, for something that might not be that much better. You know, if, if you don't get that golden ticket to the Big Ten or the SEC, what are you doing? Why are you leaving the ACC in the first place or even thinking about it? So, uh, they're sort of in a, a precarious position because this isn't the program that it was around 2000 or even 2010. It's been struggling for a lot of the last decade here, and, and the luster is, is a little bit off the, the – the shine is off the program, I should say, a little bit. Yeah, Andy, I saw in, in one of those articles where it was even mentioned by one of those unnamed folks of like, I don't even know that if every school being mentioned even knows they have a landing spot anywhere else. It's just, you know, very much barking, and uh, that can be a, a dangerous game to play. And I would imagine that Virginia Tech was probably one of those schools that might not know where, where they would even go if that were to be the case. So uh, it settled down by the end of Monday, as you saw. What was just sort of the feeling coming out of those ACC meetings? Does it feel like everything's normal, or does it feel like – you know, everybody's going to be kind of walking on pins and needles, looking over their shoulder a little bit here moving forward. Yeah, it doesn't feel normal, despite the, you know, messages of unity. It's not unified. <laughs> you know, they, they didn't come out with an official message of unity, which is probably good because it would have been BS. There's no way that they are if half the league is looking at the grant of rights. The fact of the matter is they're stuck together because of the grant of rights. Nobody has a good way to get out of that. Uh, legally, it's never been challenged. Uh, even with Texas and Oklahoma, you know, they waited till there was one year left before they negotiated an exit. We're talking about 13 years left 
on the ACC's grant of rights. That's going to be one heck of a legal battle if anybody ever tries to challenge it. Uh, there's been talks of, you know, could they uh, dissolve the ACC if they get enough members? Nobody even knows how many it would take. And if they did, like we said before, where's the landing spot? You're not doing that to get into the Big 12. You're doing that to get into the SEC and the Big 10. And I don't think there are enough seats at the table if that's the case. So it's sort of this, uh, you know, uh, strange uh, grouping of teams that are stuck together because there's no better option. If there was a better option, somebody would have utilized it by now. So that's why, you know, the timing of that story coming out right before the ACC meetings at a time when some schools are going to be pushing for unequal revenue, I think it was just trying to gain leverage in that whole argument and trying to, to get it to this little bit uh, unequal distribution of, of the revenue that's coming in. And, you know, I guess to their credit that they're looking toward that. They're getting that. Uh, so I, I think it was a lot of saber rattling about nothing because, you know, if they could leave the conference, they would right now. And they haven't because they can't. Andy, where do you think Virginia Tech, you know, after they're part of this, sees themselves as a possibility of getting some of that merit-based revenue? You know, it, at its height, I mean, it, it, once it got in, it won the ACC four times in seven years. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, coming up and what the new playoff system is going to be, you'll be playing in the postseason. The problem is the last time they did that was 2010. We're talking about 12 years that they haven't even been in that conversation. They've played in uh, one ACC title game since 2012. That was in the 2016 season when, when Justin Fuente first got there. They had a pretty good team that year, but that's been it. That's the only 10-win season in the last decade plus. They just have not been a program on that level. And last year, they bottomed out. They went 3-8. and eight. Uh, Had a game cancellation at the end of the year, possibly could have gone 4 day. But that's still unusual. That's, that's the worst record here in 30 years. Uh, so, you know, they're talking about, you know, revenue splits is going to be different for the high achieving teams. I mean, Virginia Tech has not been on that level for a long time, uh, which is why I think it's kind of funny that Florida State has been pushing so hard for it. Florida State's been terrible <laughs> the last five or six years. Uh, they've actually been worse during the regular season than Virginia Tech. So they're, you know, I know they're trending up and they should be a good team coming up, but it's on that kind of wrench. But in terms of the Hokies, uh, yeah, this is maybe coming at, at not the greatest time for them because the program has been on the skids here for a while. But I think they look at themselves and they go, hey, we have the infrastructure. Uh, we have the, the coach they believe now in place to get this thing turned around. They just have to go on the field and do it. Man, you saying twelve years since their last? I mean, I won't speak for you, Andy, but that makes me feel really old. I think that was. It feels like Virginia Tech was, you know, making headlines like five years ago. But man, it has been a while longer than that. It really has. But uh, I mean, do you feel like they have the right guy there in Brent Pry? I mean, does it feel across the fan base as though you know there's there's positive momentum moving forward despite you know last year's three and eight record as you mentioned? Where is just kind of the mindset of the Hokie fan base right now? it's sort of been a, a state of confusion about what exactly to think of this new coaching staff. I think everything that Brent Pry has done off the field in terms of engagement with fans, engagement in recruiting, uh, zest for recruiting, he just sort of has that net for it and this uh, ability to relate with people. And, you know, that extends to high school coaches and, and recruits. I, I think that part is going well. I think you'll start to see some dividends on that front. I don't know if they're ever going to be a major player in recruiting because there's so much more to it now than I have stuff involved. 
I don't really know how you judge a recruiter in these, this day and age, but I think the relationships part of it, he's very good with and making that connection with the fans that they felt was lacking under Justin Fuente. It's, it's the on-field part of it that I have to wait and see. And I didn't see a whole lot of it last year that was too encouraging. Um, they were a mess offensively. You know, Brent Price's specialty is defense. I think that part of the game will be okay. Uh, you know, they made some changes uh, on the offensive staff this offseason, put even more on offensive coordinator Tyler Bowen's, uh, Tyler Bowen's plate. So they're really doubling down on this guy who's a, a 33-year-old, you know, first-time Power 5 offensive coordinator whose offense last year was ranked 119th in the country. Uh, there's a lot they need to improve on that side of the ball for me to have faith that Brent Pry is the right guy. Now, they've added a bunch of transfers, and we'll see. Uh, maybe just lack of talent was the biggest problem last year, and it, it certainly was a problem. I don't know if it was the only problem. I, I need to see a bit more on the field in terms of this thing turning around before I, I believe that Pry is the guy. Andy, um, just a, a local question here. Kyron Drones transferred from Baylor to Virginia Tech. He's part of that quarterback battle. Where do you see that ending up when it, it would finally comes out in the fall? You know, coming out of the spring, my money's on Grant Wells still. And he, the guy that was ahead, they basically said if they played a game now, he would be the starter, but Drones would play in some capacity. And I don't know if that's an endorsement of a two-quarterback system going forward or that's just something you say in the spring to keep everybody engaged and involved in the competition. Uh, but I think he's got some work to do to, to catch up. And now he knew, and he's only went through 15 spring practices, and there's still you know, almost 100 days until the season opener. So I could see that changing if he makes some big strides. But I think there's some mechanical things he needs to refine. I think there's some accuracy and then just learning the system things that he needs to make strides in. Uh, before he can be considered a guy they put on the field for, for more than just a few series in a game. But, you know, he still has, I think, three years of eligibility left, uh, including this season. So it's not like a, he has to come in and start right away for that to be a, a valuable pickup. I think long-term they still really like what he can bring to the table. Andy Bitter, TechSideline.com. Andy, thanks for hopping on the show. Thanks for having me. Right. Andy Bitter, TechSideline.com. But Virginia Tech, uh, look, that was – Man, I um, and I watched them a lot, of course, back in the Frank Beamer days, and Everybody they were, did. yeah, I mean, they were great. Uh, and you know, uh, you know, Beamer Ball probably never going to come back in a in a fashion we'd recognize it in college football because it's it's so different based on defense, you know, kind of a power running offense and special teams that were second to none. Like, yeah. If you if you like blocked a kick as Virginia Tech, like you had really done something because they were going to block kicks on you. If you blocked a punt or a kick on Virginia Tech, you would really accomplish something. Yeah, I, mean, I think the problem is, man, is that we're you know talking about Beamer Ball still. Everybody is, yeah. and it's been years. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been years. You know, it's. And I was joking with Andy when I said, sort of. I was sort of joking when I said that he made me feel old because it does kind of seem like he was. Maybe not quite five, because I am older now. But, like, ten years ago, it seems like I was watching Virginia Tech on a Thursday night and, you know, inner Sandman's playing and Beamer Ball's, you know, running rampant and making plays and they're winning games. And Michael Vick's – I mean, Michael Vick's been retired for, like, a decade at this point or mm -hmm. getting close to it. So that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. And they still don't seem like they really know what their identity is because that was their identity. That is what you knew them for. You knew them for all of the things that I just mentioned – uh, Vic, Inner Sandman, Frank Beamer, Beamer Ball, all that stuff. And, you know, none of that's 
the case anymore. And, you know, Brent Pry, man, remember when he was rumored to be the Baylor coach? Yeah. Instead of, was that, was it no, instead it was of Fuente. Matt? Was it Fuente? No, no, Brent Pry was too, though. Really? Yeah, yeah, Brent Pry was rumored there. And I, I don't know if that was, I, I'm pretty sure that was his agent probably throw, throwing that out there. I knew they, his, Fuente's agent threw him out for Fuente Baylor. threw him out, but I, I, I think maybe it was with Aranda the second, you know, when Aranda got hired that I, I feel like there was a Brent Pry rumor, but it was, it wasn't like a lasting thing. It was yeah. like a very quick and then, you know, everybody moved on type of a deal. But yeah, Fuente definitely. Fuente was the one that I am probably mostly thinking of, of was using that as some sort of uh, leverage, um, I guess. But yeah, I mean, they've, They've got some things to figure out. Uh, they were definitely one of those schools when that stuff came out on Monday that I was like, are they sure they know that they've got a spot somewhere if this is, you know, really what were to happen? And, uh, you mean, to hear him tell it, no, they don't really know. They don't really know that they would have a, a landing spot if all of a sudden the conference fizzled out uh, for, you know, some miraculous reason and everybody's left to, to find landing spots. Uh, you know, they could always, I'm sure, call the Big 12 and Brett Yormark would be happy to answer, but that's not what you're really looking to do now, is it? Those schools aren't looking to do that. They're looking to jump and grab a spot in one of the other two. So, uh, yeah, I think they'd fall in kind of a weird middle ground there where you're not completely positive that that's, that's going to be better for you or that you would have anywhere to go and you might just be better off where you are right now, whatever the disparity uh, may be, um, but yeah, the Kyron Jones part, that's also interesting to me because, man, to hear a Baylor fan tell it, they would have had him starting at quarterback for all 12 games last year. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. No, that, some of the, you know, I, I mean, I get it. The quarterback, the starting quarterback's the most unpopular guy on the team unless he's like, you know, doing everything to win games. But, you know, we, we heard this about Jacob Zeno. And, I mean, as best I can tell, and I'm not saying this to disparage these guys in any ways, but he went off to UAB, and I don't think, unless somebody wants to fill me in, that he's done anything substantial to, nope. to make note of. Nope. Um, and, you know, Kyron Jones was a guy that, you know, Gary Bohannon was a guy, and, hey, he was good. He was good at Baylor. You can make the argument that he could have been the starting quarterback last year. They might have been better. I yeah. do think you can you can say that about Gary. I don't think he's in a better position at South Florida. Um but I do think with Gary, that, that one you can make a bit more of an argument for. But Kyron Jones, there was a little bit of an outcry there, too. And, you know, he decides to go to Virginia Tech, and he might not even start right away, which is, you know, just goes to show you that, like, these guys take time, man. Not everybody's just, just you know, sitting there waiting to be a starting quarterback. And I think he showed little flashes, but certainly nothing enough to the point where you're like, oh, yeah, he for sure should be the guy. He's totally getting screwed sitting over there on the bench. Um, I, you know, he's going to go there and probably sit on the bench to start his career there as well. So, you know, maybe the coaches kind of knew what they were doing and maybe he just wasn't quite ready yet. Yeah. And, you know, once he gets ready and he is ready, then he could be a very good quarterback. But that doesn't appear to be the case right now. So it doesn't seem as though much has changed despite the change in location. And I'm rooting for him. I think he's, you know, he got got a real chance to be good. But clearly it's just, you know, he's not uh, – not all the way finished just yet. Yeah, absolutely. When we come back, Seth Russell, former Baylor quarterback, discusses what he feels the quarterback situation is as it heads out of spring and what uh, they need to look forward to. That and more. That's coming up next, 365 Sports. 
Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micromarket vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micromarket vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at AutomaticChefCanteen.com. Don's Humidor, you're home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses. But when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs. Knowing you, that's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. In the market for a quality metal building? Since 1943, Pioneer Steel and Pipe has helped Central Texas residential and commercial customers with metal building design, panel options, building components, and trim options. Pioneer Steel and Pipe's residential line is energy efficient, offers low maintenance, reduces insurance payments, is impact resistant, and carries up to a 45-year limited warranty. In addition, they can also help you find a metal building contractor for your project. Pioneer Steel and Pipe with locations in Waco and Bryan and at PioneerBoys.com. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers. 
This is 365 Sports. Want more updates during the day? Follow 365 Sports YT on Twitter. Craig, I'm very tempted to really pump up our next guest because I, I really enjoy Seth Russell. So, I mean, he may debate this, and there, there might be other people who do, but I'm just going to introduce him as Seth Russell, the greatest Baylor quarterback of all time, joins us now on 365 Sports. And I won't let you bring up the fact that there's a statue of another guy and all that other stuff. You know, um, there, there are other things to, to greatness than, than just statues, Seth. But love having you on the show. Love talking to you whenever we get a chance. Thanks for, for making time for us today, buddy. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I appreciate y'all having me on. I know y'all are y'all been killing it lately, and I know everybody's got a lot of questions about what the next what this up, upcoming season is going to look like. And I think we'll have a you know hopefully give a pretty good glimpse into what that all looks like. Seth, I know that uh, you 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 weren't at the spring game, but you have since watched it, and it's hard uh, for most people to kind of glean what any of that means, especially when they were doing kind of the the modified Stableford scoring version of. Of, of what was going on uh, there, offense versus defense. But what did you see from Blake Shapin and Sawyer Robertson and even uh, Nick Martinez? Um, what is it? I said that wrong. R.J. Martinez. R.J. Martinez. I'm sorry. RJ. I've been watching too much baseball. R.J. Martinez. Uh, <laughs> as These are the top three guys uh, as they head into the season. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of good opportunity there for these guys, you know, with – Blake coming in, obviously, with a lot of experience. RJ coming in with a lot of experience, right? And and uh, Sawyer, you know, I think he's, he's got the build for it. Now, I think he needs maybe just for this system, probably has to put on another, you know, maybe 10, 15 pounds just to max that 6'4 um, frame out. But from uh, from looking at it from a 50,000-foot view, you know, not sitting in the meetings, not looking through the film, not, you know, figuring out what the play calls are. I mean, I, I, I think they were consistent, Right. You know, I don't think it was um, anything less or anything more than what I was expecting um, on, on that standpoint. Now, is that a good or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. Right. Just from a, you know, a former player. I, you know, I think a lot of the guys around them have also developed. Right. The big question on my end was, hey, who's going to step up, step up on the receiving core? Right. I think they all did a great job. The tight end is going to be big. Um, but for the most part, you know, I, I don't know if I could, if I could technically declare a starter based off what I saw in the spring game, cause they both did well, right. They both had the ups, they both had the downs. And then, you know, I trust coach Bell and Grimes and, and Aranda that they're going to pick, pick the, the first, you know, I guess the best person to start out, um, of who they believe is going to be the starter. And then, Hey, just let them, it's going to be their place to lose. Seth, uh, there was some thoughts, Dave Aranda, in that spring game presser had mentioned that they would have liked to have made a decision like the week after. Well, that was like five weeks ago. So clearly they're, they're probably not going to announce anything. Do you think that's better for the group as a whole, not having necessarily a, a de facto starter? Or do you think it would have made some sense to say, okay, Blake Shapin's the guy or Sawyer Robertson's the guy? You know, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Right, you know, and, and Coach Aranda knows his team better than any of us do. You know, I'm sure he's probably had, you know, any any coach I think would have a sit down with each of the position groups or each of the individual players and just hey, get their thoughts, right? Because, uh, but ultimately, it's going to be his decision. Um, 
but you know, I I would have liked to have seen a decision made, right? Because you had summer workouts, you had spring ball, right? You had the the camp, and it, if you get some buy-in, right? You say, hey, you know what? Let's say Blake is the starter going into the season, but hey, that's not to say that maybe he loses it in fall camp, right? And so, but then again, that leaves the op- the door open opportunity you don't want to create doubt within the team um and so if the coaches are like man i don't you know shaping was our guy last year i don't know if he is this year well that that can create some doubt which you don't want right you want full support whoever it is but then again you know not to go back is like i said it's a double-edged sword so i kind of have to play both sides here hey now summer workouts are going to be critical right who's going to show up who's going to be that that outspoken leader who's going to be that guy that people that the players rally behind. And I think that is going to be the determining factor on who is going to be the, you know, the starter you know, leading into the, uh, into the next season. Seth last year. I mean, some of it was obviously that didn't have maybe some of the right guys in the right spots, but they had chemistry issues and they, they just never really gelled together. And all that, I, I, you know, how much more important is that than maybe just the who's going to play left tackle and who's going to do this is getting this team to come together in a way where they they function better than they did last year because it was just so choppy. Yeah, I mean, it's that that's what's going to determine the season, right? I mean, if you look back at, at some of the games, you know, those games are won or lost by, you know, three or less plays if you really break it down. And so, hey, if, if – if one of those three plays where they were on the same page, maybe it's a different turnout, you know, with the, with the season, but, you know, had a, had a young receiving core, you know, that was really tough. We had a new starter at quarterback. We had a really experienced line, but in my opinion, I think, I think the offensive line last year maybe felt like they took on too much pressure, right? Just from a standpoint of, Hey, we're number one, number two offensive line coming back. You know, we need to produce. We have to do this. And then maybe some of the guys just didn't live up to the hype, right? And so – and then with this offense, that is where it is established. I mean, it's a line of scrimmage. It's getting those guys in the north and south. It's not a it's not a, a horizontally developed um, offense. And so it's, it's really figuring out how can all these guys just take that next step, right? Figure out, hey, determine what what's your weak point and attack that, right? And be and grow great at it. But then also figure out, hey, you know, who are those going to be those guys that stepped up? Because I didn't really see anyone last year that was just like, hey, I'm give me the ball besides Reese, right? Give me the ball, um, get the ball in my hands. But it just, we didn't see that leader step up last year. And somebody, I'd say at least five players on offense need to step up this year to be a successful season. Blake had the just whirlwind finish two years ago. Uh, you know, him and Gary both dealing with injuries, magical run, greatest season on paper ever. And with that's going to come some very lofty expectations, Seth. But then again, there's also coaches who now have, you know, him on tape and can start to break him down and look at him differently. And there's a different type of pressure with that. We heard, you know, one of his great, uh, I guess, 
uh, strengths this offseason was improving as a leader and, you know, focusing, it, it appears a bit more on that than, than even the on-the-field side of it. But knowing kind of what all was brewing in the pot for him last year and being the full-time starter for the first time, what did you observe? What did you notice as far as uh, negatives or positives? And how do you think that plays into having that experience moving into this, this following season? Yeah, watching watching Blake last year, I mean, I think he did with you know what he he did well with what he was handed, right? Um, you know, coming into a season with really unknown expectations on himself, right? I know he finished out the season strong. I mean, look at the second half of against Ole Miss, right? It was we didn't have an offense that second half, and so really, you know, if you would break that down going into last season, he's able to you know, really be a, a strong factor. But, you know, all of that, it's a new season, new team. I mean, new strengths, new weaknesses. And so, yeah, you say, hey, I've experienced on the field. I've experienced with the offense. But really, it's, it's do you have camaraderie with the team, right? Do you have – did you develop the way you needed to develop in the spring ball? Like, you know, for example, whenever whenever we were – I was back playing, you know, we're, we're out there – um, throwing routes, doing doing it every single day, right? I mean, we could throw the vertical route, we could throw the seam route, we could throw the out, we could do whatever. I could close my eyes and throw it, right? Because I knew where my guys were going to be because we worked so hard for so long together that it developed and showed on the field, right? The season is not where the team is made. It's right now. It's seeing how these guys have come together. If they've rallied behind each other, what does it look like? How is that? You know, what have they done in the film room? What have they done off the field to get better as, as a team? But then I think with Blake coming into the season, right? He's, he's seen that, right? He's been, he's been in the trenches with these guys for a few years now. Um, he's got some competition now, right? So that's, that's only going to push everybody to be better. Um, you know, I, I always joke about this and, and, uh, you know, Bryce, if you're listening, man, love you. Uh, Whenever I got into Baylor, obviously Nick was there. Nick was the guy. Um, but once Nick left, I felt like I was better than Bryce, right? And and I think as a competitor, you know, they, I was listening to the interviews recently, and um, you know, all of them like, "Hey, competition, competition, competition." I'm like, "Yeah, competition is great, but if you don't get better, then what's the point of doing it, right?" Um, so I think just pushing each other, that's really going to help the development. Hey, they're putting in extra hours because. You know, mentally, hey, I got somebody nipping at my heel. I need to be sure to be doing extra work. And I think that's really what the team is going to come together is, hey, being a leader, but bringing these guys, you know, bringing them out to dinner or you know, doing extra work after practice or doing stuff work before practice or running more routes or whatever it is, that's where the team is developed. What was the? I mean, you said you. I mean, you guys are are, are close. You and Bryce, you know, and, and you have that time. But what was was that pushing like when you? Obviously, you know, he had kind of entrenched himself as the starter, and and you know, you won Big Twelve titles. But you're back there, knowing that you you feel like you can eventually overtake this spot. Oh, we definitely had some heated battles. I mean, don't don't think it was always you know flowers and rainbows. I mean, there was. <laughs> You know, there was times where we probably didn't talk to each other for a couple of weeks because we were just pissed off at each other. Because it was like, hey, you know, he, you know, he knows he's better than me. I know I'm better than him. Whatever, right? But ultimately, right, we had to put our differences aside and just like, hey, this is, you know, this we got to be together for the team. 
right? It's not, we all have our selfish desire in nature, but if we're able to push each other, make, make each other better, you know, get off the couch, go out and do some extra work, then, you know, that's what I was there to do, right? I wanted to be sure to be the best as much as I can. And, you know, at the time, you know, Bryce was, was the guy, right? And I didn't want to accept that selfishly, right? I think, I don't think any competitor out there wants to be the second guy. Um, but on the flip side, you know, whoever they decide, you know, whether it's Blake, whether it's Sawyer, whether it's RJ, I mean, they have to keep battling. Nobody can take a, take a back seat to anyone because, I mean, I'm a prime example as you know, <laughs> anything can happen during the season and you got to be the next guy up ready to, ready to take action. You mentioned uh, that Sawyer will probably need to, you know, pack on a little bit more weight when all is said and done and all that. But, man, we heard so much. I mean, he must have a great personality because that was one thing that was just mentioned time and time again by all of the coaches, Aranda on down the entire staff. Um, but he's got, you know, some size to him, some height to him. What were uh, any other impressions maybe you garnered just from whatever you were able to see as far as Sawyer Robertson goes? Yeah, I think he's, he's – He's got some fleet of foot to him, just a little bit. Um, you know, he kind of, he kind of, watching him run, he kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, a guy in the NFL right now, his name, you know, Jarrett Stidham, just kind of a way that he kind of controls himself while running, right? He's not, he's not going to, you know, break past you, but he's going to get enough yards and then get out of bounds or not take an unnecessary hit, right? That's something I should have learned earlier than later. Um, but, you know, I think from him, you know, with, with this style of offense, I mean, looking back to where, you know, hey, we had um, – when Grimes was at BYU, right, he had Zach Wilson. I mean, that dude's a stud. I mean, he's an athlete. He's a stocky. He's not super tall. He really fits the system well, right? And he had Gary, right? Gary's a more stout, athletic type of build. I mean, he's, he's able to, you know, use his feet, right, to get extra yards. And that's what creates confusion within the defense. If you don't have a quarterback – in this offense, from what I've seen, that can make plays with its feet, then it makes you one-dimensional, right? And that's and that's I feel like I, we saw that a little bit last year because, you know, I think Blake was being conservative, right? He's the guy didn't really have a second. I know we had you know drones back there, but he's really young. I mean, they're all young, and so it's just figuring out, hey, you know, how is Sawyer? How does he fit within the offense with his size? Can you use can you use his feet a little bit, right? Just to just to extend plays or hey, if it's a zone read, he's able to pull it, maybe get six or seven, you know, potentially break a twenty, twenty five yarder, um, or not, right? I think that's what's gonna help our the offense long term because it's gonna keep the defenses consistent to not just plowing down on the running back every single time they go to play fake or hand the ball off. Bright or Bryce. You got him talking. Seth, I'm embarrassed now. <laughs> Seth, uh, do Don't they be. do they have the skill players, especially on the outside now to take that step because that was something that was not in Blake's control last year in that they were very raw at wide receiver all, all across the board. Mhm. Yeah, I mean I it, it I think they do. Um, you know, they got, they got, you know, two giant tight ends that is going to be extremely critical in this offense this year, I feel like. Um, you know, from those guys like Baldwin and, 
um, you know, Jackson and all those guys. I mean, they're they're going to be able to stretch the field. I think they developed. You know, they should have. You know, the coaching staff knowing who they are, they will have developed them extremely well. I saw that in their in their route running. Right, it was a lot more. It was a lot crisper, um, more confident. Right, getting in and out of breaks. I mean, you we even saw that development from early to late. You know, early in the season to late in the season, where these guys are getting in and out of their breaks. You know, they run the offense extremely well. Um, you know, they just weren't capitalizing on some of the plays, which, you know, that, that comes with, with, um, you know, having a young receiving court, right? Having a young quarterback. Um, you know, I think they'll be able to really, uh, capitalize on those, those 50 50 balls, right? This year. Um, and then as well as just, hey, you know, keep the, keep the chains moving, not settle for, for field goals and, you know, continue to put, you know, six points on the board every time they get the ball. Seth Russell, the greatest Baylor quarterback of all time. <laughs> and the next time we have RG3 on, I will say at least the second greatest quarterback of all time, <laughs> Seth. Uh, always, hey, hey, I'll hold you guys to it. I will. Uh, always great talking to you, Seth. Can't wait to see you when the season starts, uh, if not before. But uh, thanks for hopping on today. Yeah, thanks, guys, for having me. That's Seth Russell. Great guy. Just great. And he was um, – it was the end of his last year was really kind of gut wrenching in the fact that when he got hurt, it was just after that, you know, like the, like the, the bad luck kind of started happening to them, but he had them in a position where that was going to be another big 12 title and maybe more. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, I don't know how that would have been viewed in hindsight because of, you know, a lot of stuff that happened right after that, but uh, no, they were well on their way to, um, yeah, doing exactly what you said, and, and the sky was the limit, and then he gets hurt uh, against Texas, and, um, you know, that just uh, that changed everything. So that was uh, it was Texas, right, that he – What was – No, it was uh, – Because the, the, the year that they Oklahoma. went to – yeah, Oklahoma. Oklahoma? Yeah, because the year they went to the um, – the the bowl or whatever it was in Orlando now the Camping World Bowl the or Russell what, Athletic Russell bowl. Athletic Bowl that year he got hurt then too and they were down to no quarterbacks and that's why they did right. the yeah no that was um gosh so he got hurt against Iowa State in uh, 2015 yeah which was in late October and then the following year yeah it was the uh, the Oklahoma game I guess is what that was um I think that he got hurt in that game so. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's one of those that, uh, you know, was he was still able to carve out a great career. Um, you know, won some big games, had some big moments. But yeah, you you always are going to unfortunately have like what if, what could have happened. You know, yeah. he, he's just going to always be one of those guys. But great rep, uh, representative for Baylor. Great to talk football with him and get his uh, viewpoints because as you heard him say, like he was right there in the fire with Bryce Petty, and you know, just the thick of competition, and you know, that was a coveted spot that QB one spot at any program but especially at Baylor at that time like you knew if you were the quarterback like you were there was big expectations for you following up RG3 and just you know all the success that was being had so um you know he got he got to experience a pretty high level college football and uh had some like I said some great moments and uh always fun to talk to him yeah, absolutely. Then we when we come back, Grace Rayner of the Athletic uh, wrote a column about the SEC quarterbacks and where they stand. That'll lead us into a discussion in the five o'clock hour uh, about uh, 
you know, which conference has the best quarterback depth right now. And then uh, we'll wrap up the show. We're going to bring Smokey on to talk about the late Jim Brown, uh, who passed away today at the age of 87 and his effect on the game of football. That's all coming up next, 365 Sports. It's Jeep season at Allen Samuels in Waco, and the deals on Jeeps are hot. Get a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with $5,500 in total values or a 2023 Jeep Gladiator Sport with total values up to $5,000. Or if that's not enough, get a 2023 Jeep Compass with 5.9% for 72 months plus $2,000 in total values. Plus $500 bonus cash to first responders. Find the Jeep that's right for you at Allen Samuels in Waco. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas and always large briskets available plus fresh vegetables so the great product customer service and family tradition of the bauer family continues at waco custom marketplace open monday through saturday a full service butcher shop and bakery available waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco or wacocustommarketplace.com The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money, and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim 365com Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Grace Rayner wrote the column today on the SEC quarterback carousel as the Athletics done a series of these. And Grace, the SEC, one of the more interesting leagues, and thanks for hopping on the show with us, uh, when it comes to quarterbacks because the teams that are classically not the ones worrying about it, uh, 
are now, especially in Alabama's case, very worried about who's going to be their quarterback next year. Yeah, it was a really interesting and and sort of fascinating uh, exercise to do, um, just kind of going through and and looking at it. And and you're right. I mean, you look up, and I think we can all agree that when we look at the SEC, you you feel pretty solid every year about Georgia and Alabama, and and yet these are the two programs that are going to have pretty major changes at quarterback. So I thought that was interesting. Obviously, we saw Alabama go into the portal, uh, get a little bit of help there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see just kind of what shakes out. And, and obviously it's, it's a league with a, a lot of talent as usual. Grace, what did you think about, uh, Alabama deciding to go and get Tyler Buckner? I mean, clearly that indicated that there was some level of uh, feeling like there's a, there's a hole still there remaining, but do you feel like that solves their puzzle or do you think it's still as confusing perhaps as it was before? Yeah. I mean, I am no Alabama expert. Let me just throw that out there, but I read it very similarly to the way you did is that, okay, uh, you know, we went through the whole spring. We saw Jalen Milrow and, and Ty Simpson. I thought they were going to be sort of battling out to, to compete for that starting job. And then they go in and get Buckner. And, and obviously he is reuniting with uh, former offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese. I get all that. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, he doesn't really, he, he didn't seem like a, a slam dunk to me in the portal just because of, we didn't see a lot of him last year. I mean, he missed 10 to 13 games. Uh, due to injury, and, and obviously he opened the season as a starter, but I think there's still a lot of meat on the bone there in terms of what are we going to see. And so I thought that was the most fascinating part is that uh, Alabama's quarterback competition was obviously not settled, um, and, and Saban clearly felt like they needed they needed some more competition in the room. Are you surprised that Florida was not more aggressive in what they try to do at quarterback? You know, when I look at Florida, I think – Obviously, we all at one point thought they were going to have Jaden Rashada um, before that fell through. And so I think that with Florida, I, I feel pretty strongly that they've got their quarterback of the future already committed in DJ Lagway. And so I sort of look at 2023 as sort of bridging the gap. Um, Graham Mertz, I know a lot of fans were, were, not, were not ecstatic about when they, when they got him from the portal. But I sort of just look at this year as, maybe just a reloading year for them before they can usher Lagway in and, and then go from there. What do you make of the way Lane Kiffin has approached uh, this offseason at, at quarterback? Obviously, you had Jackson Dart there, but he didn't feel that that was adequate enough. But to go and, and double dip with Walker Howard and Spencer Sanders, uh, what is that? You know, what is your reaction to that from an uh, Ole Miss perspective? I mean, the first thing I thought when I saw that was, you know, obviously Lane has kind of named himself the Portal King, and I thought he very much lived up to his nickname this this off season. And I think I had read at some point uh, some local Miss reporters saying that he felt like he needed to still feed a decent amount from his contenders, and then obviously he he dips into the portal. Um, you know, I think it's a I think it's a really interesting competition because you would think Jackson Dart's going to have to earn it back, but Sanders' resume is is pretty impressive and um i don't know that he would enter the portal after starting for four years at oklahoma state with the numbers that he put up uh thinking i'm going to be okay being a backup or or sitting on the bench and so um then you look at howard he he doesn't have a ton of experience um but he's a former top 50 recruit and so i think it's a really interesting dynamic there but i'm most interested to see what happens with sanders just given that this is obviously a really a really proven guy who's if we're reading the tea leaves here, you don't think he enters the portal if he if he doesn't think he's going to play. Who do you think is the most in the most confident position entering this year at quarterback? 
Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, I think I would go LSU. Um, I think they've got probably, in my opinion, one of the one of the best duos, quarterback duos, one and two in the in the SEC. Um, in Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer, um, especially with with Nussmeyer not not entering the transfer portal, I thought that was huge for them to be able to retain him. And and I think I think Daniels will sort of take that next step. Um, in 2023, obviously, we saw them have a, a lot of success in year one, his first year in the system. Um, so sometimes, obviously, we see quarterbacks that second year sort of take a step back and go into a little bit of a slump. But I think he's experienced enough and has a year in the system and, and has had enough time to to take that next step. So I think I like LSU in that regard. You you said it, I think, correctly when it came to South Carolina, like the first line of it. Who would have guessed Spencer Rattler would still be in college in 2023? <laughs> it would have been very interesting when he was on Netflix all those years ago, you know, as a high-profile prospect to think he'd still be around and having moved schools as well. I know you, you covered South Carolina. So what's the feel about, you know, what he's got going on there in Columbia and, you know, him being back, what that means for the Gamecocks? Yeah, I mean – Right, like we ha- we we all would have made a lot of money if we had bet however many years ago that Spencer Rattler would still be on a college roster in 2023. But I think the South Carolina team has a lot of momentum, um, and, and he's obviously a huge part of that. But you look up in, in any team like South Carolina who can beat Clemson and Tennessee and knock both of them out of the playoffs to end their season. Um, that's that's a that's a really good way to go into 2023. So I think they're excited about his experience. They they feel good about him coming back for another year. Um, and then they've got Luke Doty, their backup there, and I've, and I've heard good things about this true freshman, um, Lenora Sellers, who I think flipped from Syracuse, if I'm not mistaken, sort of at the at the last minute, um, right before signing day. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're Shane Beamer and you're trying to build and you're trying to take that next step and use an experienced quarterback to build around uh, to then pitch to recruits in the future, I think you feel pretty good about that. What is the, just to deviate from quarterbacks here, this is the first time that there's buzz around the Gamecocks in, in quite a long time uh, of an upward trajectory. For sure. I mean, for as long as I've, I've lived in South Carolina for six years, and I, I covered Clemson primarily, um, but for as long as I had lived in the state, I mean, it, it was very obvious that Clemson sort of owned this rivalry, and, and that's kind of how things went, and they were playing in the playoff, and South Carolina was sort of going through, you know, different coaches and trying to figure out who, who they were going to be and, and get back to being competitive again, uh, like we know they can be, and like we saw under Spurrier. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely in the last, I would say, maybe ten years or so. You guys can disagree with me or correct me if I'm wrong. It just feels like there's more more buzz heading into this program this year than there has been in a really long time. Does it really matter who Georgia's starting quarterback is? I think no. <laughs> <laughs> I know we I know we wrote that. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, <laughs> I, I just think they're so loaded, like. You know, not, I'm not saying you and I could do it, but I don't think that it matters at this point in terms of the guys on their roster. I mean, I think every quarterback matters to an extent, but to less of an extent for them than probably anybody else. Yeah, look, yeah. I mean, if if all if if everybody around you is the Incredible Hulk, it doesn't matter if Hawkeye's the quarterback. I think it's going to be fine. <laughs> you know? Yes. Exactly. I mean, when you have as many five stars as Georgia has. Um, and I think I was talking to our Georgia writer a couple of days ago about this. It seems like Carson Beck is going to be the pick coming out of spring. Um, but also, uh, like the fact that Vandegrift is just a, a casually a former five star and Stockton is another four star, just possibly waiting in the wings as the backups. I mean, I just I just don't really think it matters at that point. 
Grace, I just uh, couldn't help but, you know, in, in reading your article earlier, and I did the same thing when looking at some of the other conference previews because you guys have, you know, had the ACC, Big 12, et cetera, but just the impact of the transfer portal, right? I mean, nearly every single one of these teams has, you know, at the quarterback position alone, some sort of transfer impact for, for now or in the future. Just as somebody who's, you know, covered the game now for a while, uh, can you even – how has it changed your, you know, approach or just the way that you look at things, that the, the impact can you even quantify it, the, the transfer portal in college football? I think what the transfer portal is doing and the biggest impact that it's having is even though in a lot of cases it's a it can be sort of a one-year solution or a quick fix, it's making teams instant contenders. I mean, I think Kentucky's a really good example. Uh, we look at Will Levis leave, and, and I think – going into this offseason, we would have asked questions about where does Kentucky go from here? And then they go get Devin Leary from, from NC State out of the portal. And immediately they've got a six-year senior who is going to be in really good position to take them to make them competitive and keep them competitive. Um, so I, I think it's it's interesting and we'll see as we learn more about the portal and, and more about the way teams are using it in terms of how it impacts their high school recruiting. Um, but NC State's another example. They go get Brennan Armstrong from Virginia. I know he had a, a bad year this past year, but he was really, really great a couple of years ago. And so I think it's uh, it's just making teams instantly competitive that, that need some juice and in some cases are maybe trying to take that next step. Grace Rainer of The Athletic. Grace, thank you so much for hopping on the show. Great stuff. Oh, yeah. Thank you all so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, Grace Rainer, The Athletic. Reader stuff there. The Look, I uh, – they subscription subscription apps or, yeah, yeah subscription apps or websites you got to be discerning i mean you do because sometimes you can you know i've gotten subscriptions to something and this is going to be great and then like a month in i'm like yeah you know mm-hmm. i've ne- i have no complaints of the athletic they they continue to keep doing it right yeah they do uh, i i have one beef they kind of Screwed with my bill a little bit this last time around. That wasn't Grace's fault, though. It wasn't no. Max's fault or Sam's fault or any of the other number of you know people that we enjoy over there. Uh, but I do have a bit of a beef with the New York Times, I guess, now yeah. is uh, who I should be mad with. But besides that, no, they, they all do a great job. And, you know, this is a piece where, I mean, she's basically outlining just, you know, what's happened, like keep getting you up to date. So, you know, it's not really as much of a perspective and like hardcore opinion. It's just, you know, kind of where the lay of the land is. And it's fascinating. Like you look at every single team's got a transfer, right? Every single one of them's got at least one transfer quarterback in, and you've got multiple quarterback competitions that are still ongoing. Even if there are some like where you kind of know like, okay, no, that's going to be the dude like at Georgia, for example, with Carson Beck. Like if you feel like that's, that's ultimately going to be the guy. But I mean, there's a lot of just unknowns. I mean, even, you know, Devin Leary, like, we do realize, like, he had, you know, a shoulder injury, right? That he's, he's coming off a of shoulder surgery. And, um, you know, but his impact is going to be huge. You know, can uh, LSU run it back and, and be as successful offensively as they were last year? You know, can Florida be anywhere close to what Anthony – I mean, there's just so many questions that are – I think every single team's got an interesting question. You go up and down the entire lineup – Except for maybe like a South Carolina where you just know like, all right, it's Spencer Rattler and it's going to be Spencer Rattler and that's the dude. But, you know, there's there's maybe one or two others that are like that. But everywhere, it's either a competition or a person you're just like, you're not quite 100% sure on how good or bad they'll be. It's it's fascinating. I, and I think there's four for sure. 
And it's LSU. LSU, Kentucky with Devin yes, Leary. Yes, of course. Uh, Will Rogers at Mississippi State. Yes. And Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Okay. And then, like, Connor Wigman at A&M is, like, in, in kind Carson of the, Beck, mid, the, the middle category. Yeah. Carson, but, like, again. what if, leaning that le- way. Leaning yeah. that way. But, like, as the four, and Gary, you know this. You follow the SEC. I think mm. those are those are the four for sure. And then you've got, you know, right now, what, you know, uh, ten other teams yeah. that are, are a little bit in, in flux, you know, just certain degrees. Also, I'm curious, like, with KJ Jefferson coming back in Arkansas, yeah. while he's been there, like this would be like I think his sixth year, but you have a whole new offensive coordinator coming yep, in. Like, no well, how is that going to change? Yep, no Kendall Browse. So. That's a pretty specific offense you've been yeah. running and what they've been asking to do. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, Missouri. I mean, is it the Brady Cook show? Um, you know, does that Jake Garcia is. They got a transfer, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, that's the yeah. thing. It's like everybody's got a transfer that you're like, oh no, they've got a starter. It's like, except for the fact that there's also somebody they've clearly brought in to compete. So, and you know, in then Ole Miss's case, like that one's still very strange to me. I don't know about y'all. I I'm still not find- sold on Spencer Sanders. I think he's so overrated. Like, that's I fine. really do, dude. Yeah. That's fine, but it's like, why even go and get him? That's then? a great you know, point. Like, why bring in two guys, especially and when you have like you got Walker you already Howard, got a guy, and yeah. you have Dart, and like that to me seems to be. But why throw a third wheel in there? Right. That's weird, and that's what I don't think anybody can quite figure out. I'm with you though, Spencer Sanders. I do feel like when he's talked about positively, it's always at like his very best moments, and we forget that that was like. Kind of few and far between oh, yeah. at times. Now they started off like a house on fire last year, and then you know got, he got hurt, hurt. Everyone and then else that did. All you know unraveled. So now he's a really good player, but I do think he is far more of a question mark than he is like an mm-hmm. absolute certainty superstar. Because otherwise, he'd be the starting quarterback at Ole Miss or somewhere else for that matter. Yeah, I I thought I, I yeah, and I, partly a lot of it has to do with health. Yeah. Now, if you look at twenty twenty one. He had a great year, except for the two games he played Baylor. Yep, you know he, he was he fantastic. And then, especially look, he had these the numbers you took away. I think he threw three interceptions in each game. So you take away those six interceptions, and he only had like two others. Right. So he had a really good year in twenty twenty one. Last year was just completely all injured. And then when he decided to transfer, I said, "Okay, that's fine." But I thought he would go somewhere like Florida. He could be the third string quarterback this yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if he walked in at like walked into Florida this morning oh. and just said, "I would like to be your quarterback," Billy Napier would just start crying. Yeah, why didn't they do that? Yeah, I don't like should that, have that to me just made too much sense because you can walk in there and start, and I yeah I I I don't have. I don't, I don't know. I mean, and again, you, he could have walked in there. Maybe he did talk to Florida, and he didn't like what he saw. I yeah, mean, that's, it could be. That's fine. Yeah. But if your situation is, I'm trying to improve my stock for the NFL, I'm not going to go into a place where I'm going to compete. You know? Like, that would that would have been like Devin Leary going, look, NC State's great. I know Kentucky's open, but I'm going to go to Georgia. Yeah, I where mean, he would maybe have still had to compete. You yeah, know? I mean, he, he probably would have, but I mean, there's certainly. I mean, yeah. I I don't. Yeah, I don't want a guy who's running away from competition, but I also kind of question the intelligence of the decision. If you could very well start the season as a third string quarterback, and your best way of seeing the field is either guys, you know, not playing up to par, which is entirely possible, or getting hurt. But then again, you're not the most solid figure you know who's guaranteed to go 12 healthy games after what we've seen here lately so yeah that's that was a puzzling decision I mean it really was given that where we are now like at the time I guess you could kind of say okay we'll see what happens but you know all these months later 
it's just yeah that does that doesn't make a whole lot of sense so um yeah i mean i i think it's gonna be a really interesting year for uh for the sec in the quarterback position um but you know i think with the transfer portal i kind of asked grace there just from the perspective of a reporter who's covering everything like i know for us like i mean it definitely makes things way more interesting there's definitely a lot more to talk about and a lot more news and headlines going on really year-round because of the transfer portal and that way it's been great it's also frustrating because sometimes you forget like who's even playing where they're playing you're well, like is the that dude still thinking phil your was still at bc right and, yeah. he, and he's at Pitt. you know yeah yeah so um and but it does lead to some really interesting you know competitions i think far more often than than it would have at the you know as the old way of doing things like if you know half these schools have just had who they had and you would have been able to go get spencer sanders or you know, uh, any other number of transfers that you'd like to, to throw in the mix. Jake Garcia, Devin Leary, um, I mean, TJ Finley. I mean, there's, the list goes on and on and on of guys who have, have moved yeah. schools. Well, like Spencer Sanders, I know that I was I was always surprised that Miami did not get in the, in the transfer portal quarterback game, but clearly they like Tyler Van Dyke and think that last year yeah. wasn't his fault. I can understand so, that, yeah. So that one, like, that's, that's showing confidence in your guy who was good two years ago, got beat up by it because of a terrible offensive line and never really recovered. You know, there was just other things I just thought that, okay, this will be better for him to go here than to jump into, because it, it wasn't like Jackson Dart's year was bad. Lane Kiffin is just a mad scientist and wanted to push him a little bit because he felt he hadn't, especially towards India, didn't play well. Uh, yeah, that's that's a strange one, and we'll see what happens with Spencer Sanders. I, you know, he he might wind up kicking himself for for doing that. I don't know. Yeah, he very well could, and um, you know that. Yeah, that's that's entirely possible. I was thinking of Jaden Daniels as far as another one of those transfers goes. Um, you know, coming over from Arizona State, mm-hmm. but um, Garrett was not thrilled about that. At I first. wasn't. I was kind of nervous. I mean, like LSU doesn't exactly have the best track record with quarterbacks, other than Burrow. So I was apprehensive. But man, he he's definitely come a long way. It's and what, Nussmeier's going to be good. Joe Burrow one A, Matt Flynn one B. Yeah, that, yeah. So much, so much. Hey, I grew up with Matt Flynn. So I, <laughs> I, I, I respect Matt Flynn. I like Matt Flynn. Matt, Matt Mock number two. Matt, yeah. yeah, since there's a one A and one B, one B, Matt Mock number two. Hey, Matt, Matt Flynn won a national title. He baby. did. Yeah, so he did. did. So did Matt Mock. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. So absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it it does make it very, you know, interesting to follow. Maybe not like all the time. Like I don't know. Sometimes I'm like rolling my eyes, like okay, another offensive lineman or something. You're like, you know, if it's big names, like it's one thing. But just after a while, you see hundreds of names. But the quarterback position, if you just you know key in on that alone, it's a riveting you know thing to to behold just the, the number of moves and the chess pieces and the you know who is, gets drastically better with one decision or gets even further complicated with a couple of decisions yeah. and, and yeah. Man, it's just it's interesting i would have liked to see what would have happened had grace mccall stayed in the portal yeah yeah. you know that He's was hurt, auburn florida like he was trying to get in the sec or acc for sure and then whatever happened happened there and he, he had to go back or, or chose to go back. I mean, there was rumors of like a transcript issue or whatever, but I don't, yeah, I, don't, I, don't I don't know any enough of that. But I thought having a guy with that many wins going to a school that either had a new coach or was, you know. I mean, is he big enough, though? He seems small. He is. To I mean, play I think in the SEC. Just, yeah. 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 I mean, that's, I, that look, could have been part of it. Maybe it is, but. I think there's some schools that probably wouldn't have nitpicked just because True. the guy won a lot. Because, again, they're not trying to win the Super Bowl. They're trying to win the SEC. So right. it's a little bit different. Um, 
uh, on that. But yeah, and maybe that that's it. But there are schools. Look, uh, NC State would have loved to have him after Devin Leary left. Oh, May six three two fifteen, buddy. Okay, yeah, so he's really? a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, may not seem that. Yeah, that's what he's listed at. Yeah, so that, that's bigger than I would have expected. I, I didn't think he was that big either, but Maybe you know, I'm not going to pretend I watched uniforms. like all the coastal right. games last year. Saw mostly highlights, but yeah, he's he's uh, he's pretty stout there. I mean, as far as that that number goes, but yeah, I mean, he got hurt in the end of you know uh, in the end of their season, and, and I'm I mean, I doubt that probably played too heavily, but then again, I don't know the the extent of that. So, but yeah, it's uh it would have been interesting to see what he could have done maybe somewhere else, but. Um, you know, Nav with Jamie Chadwell gone, that's going to be really interesting for him. See what uh, what he ends up doing. Yeah. When we come back, a discussion on which co- uh, conference has the deepest run of quarterbacks, and why I'll tell you right now, uh, there's one that's going to run away with this, and you might be able to guess it, but I won't ruin the tease. This is 365 Sports. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do, and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes each week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, and more. If you haven't been there in quite some time, you're missing out on the improvements for our members. New flooring in the weight room and locker room, new paint and mirrors added in the weight room and group exercise room, with more new machines arriving over the next few months. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new elliptical machines on spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, and Alex Botch, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. There's sauna, whirlpool, tanning bed, and kids club. The amenities are great. 16 tennis courts plus an 1,100-seat stadium court, eight pickleball courts, youth and adult tennis and pickleball lessons. Visit our website, wacotennis.com, or visit Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texas are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back with five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app. Banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Do you or your kids get nervous about going to the dentist? Stonewood Dental. Dr. Steve Childress, he can help. I've spent a career taking care of patients who, as children, had bad experiences. And now they're adults that hate going to the dentist. If I get a kid at three years old and they come every six months and it's a happy experience, it's normal for them. Now they have an accident at six or seven or eight at school. Now they have a broken tooth or a trauma. And they have to come here. They're used to lights, they're used to water in their mouth, they're used to experience, they already trust us. It's amazing what we can do with that kid without it being a negative thing. But if I see a six or seven or eight-year-old that's never been to the dentist, and now they have a trauma or an unfortunate, unexpected toothache, it's harder to do that for that kid and it not be somewhat of a negative experience. So bottom line is I try to teach kids and adults and teenagers in their body the way I'd want my family treated, which is where it's a necessary part of life. You just take care of it. It doesn't have to be that big a deal. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. 
parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is brought to you by Edward Jones and financial advisor Cam Heathcott. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Garrett Ross, Levi Caraway, Jack McKenzie, and Emery Winter alongside as well, all doing their various duties. We got, and I won't say what it is because we there's some testing to be done, but we got some exciting news today that we've been waiting for for a long time, and I can't wait to share that with all you guys uh, coming up. Uh, but uh, in this segment, uh, and once Craig rejoins us here, we'll we'll dive into which of the Power Five conferences is the deepest roster of quarterbacks. And Garrett, um, I, I think there's one that runs away with this. I'm uh, definitely taking the pack. Yeah, I mean they're they are they're the ones who have the most. I mean, or the least amount of questions. If you go team by team throughout all 12 teams in the Pac-12, I think only two of them really have battles, maybe three, right. uh, if I'm leaving them out. And the two of the ones that do, you're not even thinking about them for the conference title at all. So, But if you go through the Power 5 conferences and look at the depth of it, I'll, I'll just start and tell you the Pac-12 has the deepest run in that, you know that Jaden Delaris starting at Arizona. You know that uh, Arizona State has a competition. Cal has a, a competition uh, with uh, Sam Jackson uh, transferring in for TCU. Colorado's Shadir Sanders. Bo Nix is at Oregon. DJU is at Oregon State. There's some, you know, slack-jawed, dim-wit named Caleb Williams that – you know, may or may not be any good at USC, and I, I kid, I kid, um, about to be probably the first pick in the draft and could contend for a second Heisman Trophy in a row. Stanford will have a competition. UCLA has a competition, and Utah's got Cam Rising back, Washington has Penix back, and Wazoo uh, is back with Cameron Ward. So those are all guys that have, all the ones that are coming back have all won and won at a pretty good level. So... Uh, I mean, maybe Jaden Delara has helped improve them, but they know who their quarterback's going to be all the way around. And I don't think you can say that for any other conferences, Craig. Uh, at the, at least that, mean? like, per capita of like knowing their quarterbacks. Yeah, them, 75% yeah. they know. And, look, are really are really good. A lot of teams would, would trade, even, even if you took, say, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix out of this thing, uh, the, the higher-ranked NFL potential guys. How many how many teams in the country would trade for a healthy Cam Rising at any moment? Uh, him in particular, I think a lot. DJU, yeah. not as many. You yeah. know, yeah, it kind of depends on where you look. But no, I think uh, you know, without just off the top of my head, trying to like click through every conference. I've, I've I've got the list if you yeah. if you need some. No, help, I'm just but. thinking of like I know they're way more experienced and top heavy than the Big Twelve. 
Yeah. They're way more experienced and top heavy than the the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was just I was kind of just like going through my head as far as like the ACC and the and the Big Tango. But no, I mean they're yeah they're going to be loaded. For, I mean, that's the that's the big storyline, right? That's the big storyline for the pack this year is the quarterbacks, and you know all of that is leading to probably the most bright and sunshiny positive piece of news that they've you know, got to hold on to right now. And, and I don't mean that to say, like, it's all storm clouds and everything because of the TV negotiations because there's a lot of people that just brush that off like it's not a big deal. No matter where you sit on that, it's still, like, that's been an overwhelming off-season topic. No matter, you know, who's talking about the Pac-12, it's inevitably brought up because that's been, you know, a constant. But, you know, beyond that, if you're looking at, like, all right, what's the – the one thing Pac-12 fans can all celebrate and be excited about and really you know, want to have is a topic that's discussed over and over again. It would be their starting quarterbacks and the depth of the quarterbacks in that league uh, at the starting role, on the, in the starting roles. So, yeah, I think that that leads to uh, big expectations this year. You know, Caleb Williams, as you said, I mean, who has bigger expectations than him? Uh, who has you know, uh, bigger expectations uh, than you know, Caleb Williams, I don't think there's anybody, but then there's guys who have huge uh, expectations like a Bo Nix, as you mentioned, and we can go, you know, Cam Rising. Uh, still, you know, are we 100% he'll even be healthy by the Baylor game. Not quite sure on that yet. Hopefully he is because I wouldn't want to see, you know, anybody but Cam Rising when the Utes come to Waco. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, if it, on paper it looks great. you got to go out there and, and perform, obviously, but they're shaping up to be really entertaining and interesting uh, at that position and, you know, should pay them dividends, you would think. Yeah, the, look, to the Big Ten, look, Luke Altmyer will probably be the starter at Illinois, uh, who transferred in. Um, Indiana is, is is in flux. Uh, I will have Cade McNamara. Uh, Maryland has, has uh, Tyloa, um, Tagvaiola. Uh, so good player. Good player. J.J. McCarthy at Michigan's the best quarterback in the league uh, and one of the better ones in the country. Um Michigan State all of a sudden has a quarterback situation on their hands uh, as they lost Peyton Thorne to Auburn. Uh, Minnesota will have a new quarterback. Nebraska will have a new quarterback in Jeff Sims. Um, Ben Bryant, more than likely the starter at Northwestern. Ohio State's going to have a new quarterback. Penn State will have a new one, but they know who it's going to be, and Drew Aller, who is a very highly recruited player. Uh, uh, Hudson Card will be at Purdue. That's definitely a... A nice change up from Aiden O'Connell. So yeah, I mean they they've got some guys. They got a lot of newcomers, but yeah, yeah as far as like re- reigning returning guy, yeah, it's the Pac-12, yeah. and it's not even really close. Yeah, that's that, that's the one that 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 kind of takes it. And then, like the Big 12's in flux. The ACC, you know, uh, they've got some returners, but I, I it is it's headliners? Top, top heavy. You know, it's Drake. Like in their conference. Headliner wise, it's Drake May, Jordan Travis, and Cade Klubnick. You know, and, and then, then you got Tyler Van Dyke, and I mean this. Yeah, yeah you got Tyler Van song. Dyke, who's kind of maybe who could yeah, maybe be up on their right level, there but with like, like Drake May and yeah, stuff. But, but I mean, that's, that's not you know an empty cupboard by any no. means. But yeah, no, I mean, I think you know top to bottom, yeah, it's fair to say the pack has the the deepest, strongest starting quarterback uh, lineup right now. And, you know, like I said, we'll see how much that carries over as far as wins go, but there's going to be a bunch of teams as a result that feel like they're going to be in contention, and that should make for a great year. And quite frankly, the timing couldn't be any better because, you know, they could use, you know, all leagues could, but, you know, the pack in particular, um, you know, the Big 12 had the TCU story last year, and they had, the you know, the K-State renaissance and there were some fun things to talk about and had some you know the best draft they've had in a really long time as far as first rounders go and you feel like they've got pretty good momentum but 
like I said, just given that a lot of what the offseason talk about the pack has been has had nothing to do with football, really. Um, it, it's shaping up really well for them to talk a lot about some really great football being played um, in that conference this year. But, you know, on paper and in action is, is totally different oh, things. Yeah. So we'll see. But you feel pretty good about that group of guys. I, I would be remiss not to mention Riley Leonard at Duke, who was a big reason why they were, they were so good uh, last year. Uh, and Duke's not somebody you're going to – you gotta mess with, but yeah, you gotta pay attention to them now, yeah. though, Elko. I mean, you can't just sit there and chalk that up as a as a dub on them. I mean, some teams probably, you know, Georgia could, yeah. <laughs> Alabama could, but I mean, I, they, they're definitely going to give some teams a, a handful, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, the Pac-12 has the the best situation, and um, you know, of course, they're going to have the presumptive, excuse me, first overall pick. I think Bo Nix will probably play his way into the first round if he continues on on his trajectory and. And this segment was sponsored by the CW. Get yeah. all your streaming nuts. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> they should be out there. The CW should be knocking at the door every day going, look, guys, come on. Come on. Let's do something great together. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about all that. I do know there is going to be. I mean, you better hope that. I don't know. You better. But. If I'm a Pac-12 fan, I sure hope it lives up to the hype that it's going to probably have by the time the season rolls around because that's what we're all going to start talking about now is now we're like hitting that that point where now you do start to look directly at the season because that's the next big thing coming up. And uh, if they don't have like the you know banner type of year from quarterbacks, that would be awfully disappointing because then you're going to have a huge outflux of those guys. Like you're going to lose Bo Nix and you're going to lose Cameron Rising and you're going to lose Caleb Williams and a lot of those guys are going to be on their way to the NFL after this year. So you're fortunate to get, you know, the it lined up to where all those cards are falling into place for this go round. But, you know, hopefully it, it, it is what you think it can be uh, because it is going to change dramatically the following season with the, with the number of guys that will be on their way. Yeah, absolutely. When we come back, Smokey joins us to talk about his memories of Jim Brown. He interviewed him uh, at a Super Bowl one time, uh, plus I mean, just his impact on the NFL and, and far beyond. This is 365 Sports. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI. MRI.com.
Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels could make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. This is 365 Sports. Want more updates during the day? Follow 365 Sports YT on Twitter. Welcome back. 365 Sports. Smokey joins us now to talk about Jim Brown, who I think just candidly talking about it is going to be remembered as a very complex figure in a a lot of regards because he had some off-field troubles that – you know, are always going to be out there that you have to to question and wonder about. But um, he was, in addition to being a, one of the best football players who ever lived, if not maybe kind of the Babe Ruth of the NFL skill-wise, uh, he also was someone who fought for against racial injustice for his entire life uh, and should be remembered for, for kind of everything. But Smokey, you grew up in the era where Jim Brown was not playing. I would think he was pretty much done right by the time that you can really remember it because he didn't really play that long but he was an immense celebrity and social figure throughout your youth and 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 formative years yeah I would think that I remember probably you know like most people don't remember John Madden as the football coach of the Oakland then time Oakland Raiders Super Bowl champion coach they remember him as the broadcaster and then of course his video game I I got a glimpse of Jim Brown when I was very young. I remember about 64, 65 is, is really the time that I started watching some football and his career ended in 65. So for me to say, I remember that game against the New York giants or whoever. No, I don't. I just know all the highlights. I remember when I used to read books when I was a kid, when I'd get these books about the greatest, this and that, 
you know, he walked away from the game eight out of nine years, led the league in rushing, walked away from the game very similar during still what was his prime, even though he's a running back, as Barry Sanders. And who knows what he would have put up. He was for a long, 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 long time the all-time leading rusher in NFL history. Of course, that record has been shattered by many, and including Emmitt Smith. But I had a chance to interview him at the Super Bowl in Detroit, and I remember also having a chance to see and visit with him off to the side at a Super Bowl when we were in Miami. This is back when I was in radio and Tyler, but when my runner at the time <laughs> told me, hey, we're going to get Jim Brown. And there has, I would say, you like when I knew I had a chance to get Joe Gibbs just because of what he meant to me as a fan of the Washington then Redskins in the three Super Bowls, there aren't many that like get me like jittery, like I'm looking over the side of a 20-story building or off a bridge. Jim Brown made me nervous, not because of, and again, he did have a very um, uh, unfortunate, a lot of different stories about violence and assault and much more. It wasn't because of that. It was because Jim Brown had a presence. There's some athletes that have a presence. There's certain that are great, but then he had this aura about him, and I felt it. And I'll tell you this, once he sat down, he was as incredible an interview as I could ever remember. Very insightful. I asked him about uh, the black-white issues, and you know his concern was that not enough athletes are doing enough to talk about it. But he also was very, very aware that Sometimes that there's a lot of issues that really aren't, that maybe people overreact. This was back many years ago. And then the other part of it was I asked him about his off-field problem. Just like yesterday, we had to ask Roger Clemens about the Hall of Fame. His, of course, were violent stuff, uh, allegations, and in some cases, it was the truth. And he handled it, and he, he mentioned it, and he, he was a very impressive, I'll just say that, and I walked into it when he came over to the table. I was nervous. And it's probably one to three guys that I've ever been nervous before I interviewed in, in my 42 years in, in the radio or television business. Would, you, would it be fair to I, I, the way I remember, and obviously I'm a different generation, but for most of my life growing up, Tom, uh, Tom Brady, Joe Montana was, I guess, kind of considered the greatest football player ever, and mostly because he was, you know, more recent and also had four Super Bowls, which, you know, uh, I guess, you know, at the time was a record. And now we've seen what Brady's done, you know, obviously. But was Jim Brown kind of the de facto greatest football player alive, you think, up until maybe a Montana or a Brady came along in the 80s at the earliest? Yeah, I think so. He, okay, now think about this. He won the NFL championship the next year before he, he retired. He won three MVPs early on and then won his last year and walked away. Remember, he was also an incredible, you know, I'm not saying he was like Oscar award winning, but he was also a presence when it came to Hollywood, when it came to movies. Um, and, and so, yes, Craig, he was, he was, he was the Babe Ruth of football as I was growing up. He, uh, there's the argument about who's the greatest running back of all time. He ran like Earl Campbell with physicality, but also had the speed that you wouldn't catch him. Earl had some of that early until his body started to, you know, kind of betray him. Uh, you know, you hear about the Jim Brown lacrosse as being an incredible lacrosse player, but 
all the things that he did, what made him so amazing was his football. He got into acting. Yes, some of the office field struggles as well. And because of what he was trying to do with race relations, he was not overbearing about it. And probably a lot more people listened to him because he wasn't trying to just like jam it down some athletes or others throats. He just kind of handled it in what I thought was a very, very messy way. Yeah, he was it. He was the guy. And I'm not so sure with me being who I am as far as when I grew up in my age, you know, I, I think about Montana as the greatest quarterback and that's arguable because now what Brady's done, sure. but as far as a football player, um, I would think Jim Brown has to be in the conversation, and that conversation might have one or two names. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on his IMDb page right now, it's and a, look, Hollywood career might be as impressive as his football career, yeah. honestly. Um, yeah, but, oh yeah, you know, a lot of times we think about the football player, and he was so much more than that. But that's what kickstarted how people got to know him. And, and I don't know if it was his personal best role. The best movie he was probably ever in was The Dirty Dozen, which is fan. Fantastic, uh, yep. classic movie that that he was in, but he was, yeah, he was, he became so much more, and I do think that now that he's passed, th- there's a generation that won't know, you know, that this is a guy who only played eight years in the NFL and then left because he he just felt he wanted to do more. There was more to to that, uh, and and was very. Um, was very, very socially active when it came to um, fighting against racial injustice and was, when I think of the people of that time, uh, the famous, like, you know, non, that were not Martin Luther King, who was, that was what he was doing. uh, I think of Muhammad Ali and I think of Jim Brown at that same level. Do we lose Smokey? Pierce so. Yeah, but I, I do, and and he'll get him back. But yeah, I think, I think it's it's Ali and and and, and maybe even maybe even Kareem a little bit, and then as, LeBron. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm just kidding. But yeah, but okay. no, Smokey, what I was saying that when I think of like people who were famous for something else that were also fighting in that time in the late 60s and 70s for civil rights, I think of Muhammad Ali, I think of Jim Brown on that level, maybe even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar a little bit, uh, to to that level of these are guys who were so much more than just the the athlete. No, no question. Yeah, and, you know, Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, you know, there was always, and there has been criticism of, was Tiger Woods vocal enough? Was uh, Michael Jordan vocal enough? And were they protecting their business interests rather than, or, or their image rather than maybe going against the grain? That doesn't mean they were wrong. It's just they weren't as outspoken. That doesn't mean that they weren't doing work behind the scenes. But yeah, Jim Brown, like he played nine years, eight of nine years, ran for a thousand yards. I want you to think about this. They're now playing 17 games a year, right? Jim Brown broke the single-season rushing record of just under, I think it was just over 1,500 yards, and I'm not looking that up. I've always known that. In 12 games. They played 12 games. So all of what he put uh, together, all of that, the stats and everything else, was in 12 games. And, uh, you know, just, uh, yeah, he, he he was it. And when I saw that flash up on my phone today, a lot of times I'll see kind of a flash and miss it. I grabbed the story. I said, oh, no. And I know he's in his 80s, and I know he had been struggling of late. He was a powerful figure, a powerful man, and and he he was someone that I 
that's, you know, when I look back at my favorite interviews, I always love the Joe Frazier interview or whatever, but, but Jim Brown, getting Jim Brown was, was awfully special. Smokey, thank you so much for hopping on in your day off. Certainly appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for running down the guests today. Since I know, no problem. You guys wrap it up. Hit hit the finish line. Let's right. go. All Thank right. you. All there, right. There's Smokey. We're back all together on, on Monday. By the way, when I hit his profile on IMDb, I would have thought it was said Jim Brown actor the Dirty Dozen because that's the role he is maybe most famous for. It said Jim Brown actor Mars Attacks, which is... A, a well-regarded movie. I, I love that movie. I love it. But I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever watched it in full, but I do know it's well-regarded. Yeah, yeah, it's great. The cast of Mars Attacks is, I mean, he, he, he's, he's not even, he's one of the most famous people in it, but it was maybe one of the only times in his life he was not the most famous person in the room mm-hmm. when he's in that movie, when it's Nicholson, Brosnan, uh, Glenn Close, Danny DeVito, Sarah Jessica Parker, Annette Benning, Michael J. Fox, Martin Short, Tom Jones was in the movie playing himself as well. So yeah, he's he's more, I think he might be more famous than a few of those names, but not yeah. like Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, like, especially at that time, right? But yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. You know, so in yeah, like Nick, when, Nicholson and maybe Michael J. Fox. Yeah. So yeah, no, he was. I mean, he was a complex guy, complicated figure, uh, like most humans are, and you know. Um, you know he'll be remembered for a lot of different things. I mean, he he had his hands in uh, a lot of you know things politically, as you mentioned, uh, activist, athlete. Um, you know, and there were some blemishes there as well. But uh, yeah, I think everybody you know knows the the greatness that he was when you're talking sports and and entertainment and the crossover and you know just historically, um, you know the fabric of this country and how he was involved and woven into that as well at very key times like yeah he's he's a very influential and uh interesting person uh and uh lived a long life um but uh yeah you've seen a lot of remembrances about him today and obviously too young to know really uh, i just remember growing up and hearing like jim brown was the guy he was the guy he was the guy he's babe in babe ruth is probably the best way to put it. he is the babe ruth of, of pro football and and that's kind of how i i view him as well because you know, even like Earl's too young for me too. So yeah. I'm sitting here looking at like Adrian Peterson when he first started. Like, this is my favorite dude. He's yeah. the best, and Barry. like, no, he's, no, he's no Jim Brown. You yeah. know that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, especially when it comes to you think about professional sports and who launched that into a certain stratosphere. Babe Ruth was the guy who made baseball America's pastime, and then Jim Brown was the guy. When you think of if you, especially if you ask players who played in that era either right before, right after, or during, who the best player they played against was, that would almost unanimously Jim Brown, Mm -hmm. almost unanimously, was Jim Brown. So he was that to the NFL at a time where the NFL was the the second most popular sport at best, and it was – it was kind of baseball, 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 and then everything else uh, Mm -hmm. at that time in in – in the U.S. and now baseball's three. Yeah, um, yeah. Now and, baseball would be number three. And, and warding off and warding off a European sport for <laughs> for that position. Yeah, I don't know how much that's yeah. actually accurate. You know, but, we we have that conversation quite a bit. Like, I feel like I've been hearing for twenty five years that soccer is the next big thing, and it's like I'm. I think they're still like in fifth or sixth place. Yeah. I don't think there's really been there's been some movement. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know how much of a threat it is to to major league baseball, but I do think that's something you have to be wary of. And that's why you've seen rules changes. Hey, they're very, they're very much finally coming around. I'm like, Oh yeah, we probably can't do the same thing we've always done because that's not really gelling with future fans. And, um, 
I but, don't yeah. think they have to worry about ever falling like further than third. It's just how high they are in third where, you know, the NHL is always kind of going to be, I think it'll be what it is in the United States because the solid four, it's yeah. a solid four. It's going to be four. It knows it is because, uh, people like us who grew up in States where you can't just ice skate all year round. We'll pick up hockey and enjoy hockey because we like watching it, but not because we played it like we did baseball growing mm-hmm. up or something like that. But soccer will kind of take chunks of it for people who now, because baseball is less popular when, for kids playing it, they played soccer, and now they can watch European soccer on TV. Yeah. And, and you know, instead of, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. being your favorite player, your favorite athlete, it could be, you know, messy. And that that's where they don't, they're not as strong anymore because you used to be able to ask a kid, who's your favorite baseball player? And he'd be like, he'd rattle it off. And I'd be like, I don't know. I don't really like baseball. I'm kind of, you know. I like this Holland guy that plays for Man City. You know, like mm-hmm. that—that's what they do. So it's a little bit their their position is not as certainly not as strong anymore. When we come back, the top five. This is three sixty five sports. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, the wedding ring store. Hyatt Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world. By not acting that way, financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Aaron Duvall, owner of Texas Beef House. Why did you get into this business? We kind of were born into it, and it's been for uh, several generations. Our family's been in the, in the beef business, uh, the, the ranching business, and we've specifically 
got into the beef business uh, back in about 2015 when uh, me and my son uh, decided to form Texas Beef House and uh, sell directly to the public. Aaron, everyone yeah. knows about Wagyu and, and, and how elite that is when it comes to beef. What separates you from anyone else that may do this in this type of profession? We um, selected out Wagyu mainly because it's, uh, it's such a quality beef and uh, it's consistent. Some beef, some breeds, you, know, you may have, uh, you know, a good animal every now and then, but Wagyu produces really consistently good beef every time. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5, brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 teams who will take advantage of the merit-based revenue in the ACC. Didn't need my glasses for that one at all. Thank you, Emery. We couldn't figure out how to shorten this title. We... You know, we just kind of did it. But if there is, if the merit-based revenue thing goes through, there are five schools, and um, the and one of them wasn't in the, you know, so-called Magnificent Seven uh, that Breck McMurphy coined uh, that will take advantage of one of them who's totally in favor of it. Number five, they're number five, Wake Forest. Look, there, um, and I'm not sure how the, the merit-based goes if it goes past football and men's basketball, but football team's been very consistent and good under Dave Clawson and will probably continue to be, although they do take a huge loss with Sam Hartman not being there this year. The basketball team is usually good, uh, and look, right now the baseball team's number one in the country, so they have a good athletic department. They're, they're going to probably get that, especially when it comes to football and winning bowl games and, and getting in the postseason. I would not be surprised, especially if the ACC has years where they get two teams in the 12-team playoff, that Wake Forest will be the second team sometimes. Sorry, I know the, the the headline was like, "What is this?" The five most the most likely to, to take, take advantage to take advantage okay. of that merit based revenue. I don't think I don't think that if you just you know, without uh, the benefit of internet and things like that, if you just said like, "Go make a top five list," all that, I don't think I would have had Wake Forest in there. But I mean, yeah, listening to your explanation, I mean, it makes sense. Football's coming around. They do have the number one baseball team, and um, I could see where you know, school wide, they could potentially take advantage they, of that they were all for it like i thought at first like it's like wake well, forest what choice and, do they have to no, but you know, like, yeah. like where are they going i mean that's another part of it of yeah. course you were all for it guess what baylor was all for the big 12 sticking together <laughs> you know yeah. like k-state was all for the big 12 sticking together guess who else was iowa state and, and yeah i mean and basically wake, everybody but wake forest is a smaller baylor they're a baptist college they're right. in north carolina so they're they're very similar but you know i they were, but it wasn't that they were just for it, but Dave Clawson came out and enthusiastic about it. I said, yeah, go ahead. I'll take your money. That's yeah, fine. I think so. if, yeah, if you feel like you, you have confidence in, you know, the direction you're going and what you're doing and how you're performing, then, you know, why shy away from a merit-based system? It should only motivate people. I mean, I, I do think that there are, you know, certainly some arguments to be made of why it won't be great um, for some, you know, but that could be a case by case basis or, you know, based on, yeah, specific, you know, instances, but yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought of them, like I said, but yeah, you'd, you'd absolutely could see them take full advantage of that. Well, it also like, but it is in the merit-based system. Yes. Get better, but it also depends on 
how your institution is going to dedicate the resources so that you do get it right. and point their in efforts enthusiastically. Wake Forest currently right now has an administration that's doing that, which I also think that will will help them. Number four, Miami, um, which you should have put a basketball player here. This is a basketball school now. Or the Cavender Twins. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I know their name? They're not even so, there anymore. Yeah, but – the uh, by the way, Nigel Pax, we give Miami basketball yeah, took his name out, out of the draft, and he is oh, coming back. Yeah, that that's something we absolutely should have touched on earlier was Tyrese Hunter coming back to Texas yeah. um, because that's huge for them. They're going to be, you know, looking pretty salty heading into next year under Rodney Terry. I don't think that was a shocker because I don't know how great his NBA prospects were. So that was kind of a, an assumption well, that he would probably be back for some. But that's, I mean, to get him back officially, that's a big deal. They still have a, a little under two weeks. But once the mocks start coming out and the lottery has been, so like it, this will start coming fast and furious. Yeah. Of but, the wave of guys coming back. But, I mean, so. he made it official. And so, you know, he he obviously heard what he needed to hear to make a decision. And, and he's coming back to Austin. So that's a, that's a big deal for them. But, yeah, Nigel Pack as well. And, that's a pretty clean-looking uniform right there. I don't know if it's the way the picture's taken, but it looks pretty sweet. Yeah. That all-white for the for the Canes. No, I I, uh, I agree with you, and even though it, you know, it physically repellent to me. Yeah. It looks, uh, it this looks is a good. cool shot right but there. But, yeah, no, it is. And if they, if Mario Cristobal gets that football program pointed in, that, in the direction, uh, what Miami has not been able to do that they used to do was they basically put a lid on everything south of Tampa. When it came to, to players, so you could get a couple because not obviously not everybody can go there, but they had that market cornered, and I don't know if they ever will again. But if you can even get some of that back, Miami can start rolling, and they actually look like they're spending resources on football and basketball now in that department. And so if they 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 appear to be on an upward trajectory for the first time in a very long time, not just football wise, but but athletically. So I do think that they are they have a possibility to, to corner some of that market. If they do it right, but it's been a long time. Kind of they're in the, they and Nebraska are in the same situation right now. They they they're pointed in what appears to be the right direction, but they have to continue to make the right decisions along the way. Yeah, I mean, they might have had the greatest college football team ever. I know you know now recently you want to talk about LSU 2019, um but you know, 0-1 Miami is, to me, always going to have the top place. Um, you know, you can make arguments outside of that. But that's also 2001. Uh, yeah. I was still in high school at that point, <laughs> man. Like, that's a long time ago. And we're kind of still living off that. But granted, it's okay because – partly okay because that is maybe perhaps the greatest team of all time. So it's not like you're just like, oh, yesteryear when we were pretty – no, like that was maybe the greatest ever. I, but, I saw them in I saw them in person, and it was – it still sits with me how unbelievably big and strong and fast they were. Yeah, I mean, they had like 40-something pros on that team. But I would love to know, and I don't know how the actual numbers of you know revenue splits and how all that would work, but if you were going to look at a year where, you know, I'd love to see if like there's an exact formula on how it works, I would love to see what Miami this year would have made. You've got a top 10-ish baseball team right now. You obviously had great success in men's and women's basketball. Football was a downer, but if you can get that going, I mean, those other three have all performed well, and I'm not even thinking of, like, all of the other various sports, but just in terms of, like, the top four, if you will, three of the four, they had banner years. Now, they've also, you know, picked their spots as far as NIL. That seems to have worked out well for them. 
Um, but I also don't want to make it out to like that's why the only reason why they're good, you know, because some people do choose to do that. But regardless, I mean, it's all in the up and up anyway. So, you know, despite the uh, the struggles in football, I mean, yeah, they're they're performing pretty well across uh, you know your major sports at the moment. Number three, North Carolina. I think I almost said that like the guy from the Bulls. I was thinking Petey Pablo. Yeah. <laughs> North Carolina. Uh, please don't mention that song around my – If you, Garrett, whenever my friends from college, uh-huh. uh, if you meet them this summer when they come into town for, yeah. the, for the wedding facilities, please do not mention that song to them and ask them – what would happen? Well, yeah. now I'm going to have to. Don't request that one. Request Freak-A-Leak. Oh, <laughs> Katie Pablo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. We're definitely requesting that yeah. wedding yeah. somehow or another. <laughs> yeah. Number, but, uh, but yeah, North Carolina. Now that, look, if, if they can, and I, I'm not trying to, like, already send Mac Brown into retirement, but he was essentially retired and came out to go back to UNC. If they can consistently get football where I think Mac is taking it, especially if they can get somebody to follow up Drake May at quarterback after this year, who's probably going to be the, the third or fourth pick, second or third, fourth pick in the draft uh, next year. If they can follow up Drake May consistently, we know what they're going to do in basketball most of the time. Now, I doubt they're going to go worse to first like, or first to worse like they did this year uh, that often, but they will, you know, they have dedicated funds to basketball. That is one of the only things that brings people joy, apparently, uh, in Chapel Hill because they, they love it that much. This is a team that could, again, grab a big piece of that pie. Yeah, I mean, they're a school with a lot of potential for sure and uh, a lot working in their favor. You know, football, I think, gets a little bit too much credit. To me, they're the Texas A&M of the ACC. Yeah, and that there's- like they're, they're getting credit because they have all of the things that you would like to have, but they don't necessarily have, you know, the most important thing, which is the actual results, yeah. um, you know, they, over and over. They but. should win a lot more than they do in football. Yeah, um, you know, they do have a, a great quarterback uh, right now. And I'm not sure how it's all shaping up beyond this year. I mean, the focus really just needs to be on this year. But I, I don't, I don't know enough to to say what they could look like two, three years down the road. But this is so heavily weighted by men's basketball. I mean, that's that's their bread and butter, um, and that's that's what they thrive on. If they can get football to you know perform at a regularly high level, uh, then yeah, I mean they've got a like that. Also, though, depends on like how is this all calculated. Like you know, is winning winning in women's basketball equivalent to winning in men's basketball? Like what you know, what does that all look like? Because if like seventy five percent of it's football and men's basketball, then yeah, they're right there. If it's more even base, then they'll have you know heavily weighted uh, in their favor men's basketball somewhat football and then you know soccer i guess you know uh has always been a a great sport for them but beyond that i don't i don't know much and i think that's just going to be based on the because they're going to get the money from the the ncaa men's tournament and the college football playoff that's where the money's coming from so do you allot that for some of the non-revenue sports yeah that's what i'm saying is like how does that if you're doing like merit based is it just simply football and men's basketball yeah is that all it's going to come from or does the women's tournament start to generate a little bit money you know there's some talk about like how they could redo that um but yeah i mean just based on revenue sports yeah they got to be right there at the moment with uh with mac and football and then obviously with that historic basketball program yep number two florida state uh look they wow not number one who had money on that I mean, they haven't they haven't earned it lately. They got to earn it back. But I mean, look, so only number two. Yeah, only <laughs> number two. But look, they're they are the the dominant program in the ACC for the the longest stretch. Now, Clemson has six more 
conference football titles in the ACC, but they've been in the ACC 20 years longer. So, you know, there's a little bit of a difference there. FSU has 15 ACC titles uh, since they've been in the league um, in football. Now, basketball, they've got, I think, one or two. Uh, and one of them might be a conference tournament. So don't don't get me, uh, you know, to trying to brag about their basketball team. But on most years, their basketball team is solidly in the top six. They're a tournament team. They're a yeah. tournament team. Uh, this year was a travesty, but um, they, they're they good there. Most years, baseball's good. Uh, this year, a new coach, uh, which is much needed. But What would you give for a Florida State baseball national championship? Oh, my God. Anything. I... I, I, I it no, was, no, I got him on a tangent. No, what? But yeah, like, no. as far as when I was a student, the two things I spent the most time doing were football games and then baseball. I mean, you know, if there's, what, 35, 30 home baseball games a year or whatever right. it is, my friends and I were at 22 of them, you know. And if we weren't at one, it was because we were – it was raining or we were hungover. Mm-hmm. I mean, so there's no – like it was, it was a huge deal for us, and they were really good back then. Uh, and never, they kept getting there and never finishing. Always so, a bridesmaid. Yeah, absolutely. Especially my freshman year, where they were in the championship game and lost to freaking Miami. <laughs> Double whammy run. there. Yeah, that was that one. That's like getting stung, like running into a beehive, and like you know, getting stung and then running into a second beehive. Mm, like it yeah. just, that's how it felt. But yeah, they, they are though. Uh, and it, they do finally have a, a real athletic director for the first time in, in about a decade. And Michael Alford, uh, who has got them pointed in a modern direction. So yes, this, and they, look, the reason I put them at number two is that they're one of the ones who started all this stuff in the first place. Yeah. So clearly they have a plan in place. That's going to make sure that it's them. And it, and after this, as an alum, I'll tell you, it damn well better be. You've made all this noise about upping your revenue, which everybody who's an alum of any school wants, you know, to see their school succeed. Well, it better be. So you've made all this noise. You better start winning. Well, that's what I was kind of saying yesterday was uh, the way you've talked about them. And I, I didn't mean it in any kind of a way yeah. towards you, which you know that. But yeah. um there is a lot of noise. So, yeah, I mean, if they don't go have a good football season this year, that's going to be a massive failure on mm-hmm. the part of Mike Norvell and company because that's that's all anybody's talking about with them is what the expectations are. So, yeah, I mean, but they're they're well-positioned, like you said, and, and that's part of the reason that they are probably feeling as confident as ever. Like, are they barking two years ago about this same thing or in the same fashion? I doubt it, but now you've got a football team that's looking like your old football team's uh, and you feel good about the direction it's headed. So now it's like, yeah, we do need some more money over here. But, yeah, they got they got to hold up their end of the bargain. It'll be a fascinating year for them, and uh, they would certainly be one of the obvious choices that would, would thrive based on the merits. Yeah. And number one, Clemson. Because, look, they're, they've owned the ACC, especially in football. Now, men's basketball, they, they certainly could be a lot better. Uh, and they started out this year well and then didn't close – uh, all that strong, but uh, in, in basketball, but Clemson is the one. I mean, they're, Dabo Sweeney is the class of the conference when it comes to uh, head coaches. Uh, he is head and shoulders above everybody else right now, and um, I'm not sure that uh, everybody else around him. In you know, in the Big Twelve, when Texas got good, everybody started hiring coaches to beat Mac, mm-hmm. and then. When Oklahoma really said, like, that was cute that you guys, you know, started chasing Texas a little bit, everybody kept hiring coaches so they could maybe one day unseat Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley, which didn't really happen until the last two years. Um, So 
Now, Clemson uh, has been dominantly on top of, of the ACC for a while, and no one else is really, to me, making those moves to go straight at Dabo Sweeney. And maybe they can't because of, you know, the inherent disadvantages that come with not being in the SEC or Big Ten. So maybe that's it. But Dabo Sweeney's got such a lock on that right now uh, until he's knocked off that perch, and not just and not just for a year, not just Pittsburgh coming up and winning it, or if FSU manages to finally beat Clemson for the first time in for, forever this year, if that happens, well, somebody's going to have to do it again and again and again and put some distance between Clemson conference titles because otherwise Dabo's the boss of the conference and they're going to get, the, you know, they're going to get that big merit-based share more than anybody else. Yeah, I mean, they've got the top football program, and that's what uh, that's what puts the most bus in seats and sells the most tickets. So if you got that, then uh, I think you're deserving of a number one. Not sure where they'd stack up as far as all-around athletics programs or uh, just, you know, your top two or three sports. But, I mean, they got the big one, and, and they're very clearly in control of that one. Although maybe the grip is slipping a little bit. That's the, that's the big wonder at the moment, I think, in the ACC beyond uh, what happens off the field is – you know, is Clemson still got that tight grip uh, like they've had for, for many years now? Um, and that will be one of the fun things to see this upcoming season, uh, yeah. especially with, you know, FSU rising up as a contender and UNC, perhaps others, being able to make it interesting as well. Yep. All right, that's going to do it uh, for 365 Sports. Thanks to Smokey and Grace Rayner and Manny Navarro and Grayson Grundhafer and Andy Bitter and Seth Russell, the greatest quarterback in Baylor history. Seth Russell joined us today here on the program. We're back again, all of us together on Monday. This is 365 Sports. Have a great weekend, everybody.